deep in London's beating heart lies a wall. I'd like to it be if you know the call. For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see. Cause the wizard world has opened up as has the griffin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shrieking Shack. This is a Harry Potter reread podcast for lapsed fans. I am your host, Cece. And I'm Liz. And Liz, we are done. I feel like I have been reading this book for three years now. It's probably been about a year, right? Probably a little less. Yeah, God. Uh, uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, we've been reading this book for a very long time, but I'm like scrolling through our SoundCloud now. And yeah, this Uh-oh. this goes back a ways. We've been reading Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Uh, let's see. Let me just get an, uh, an episode number here. Since October um early october it looks like of last year so not quite a year but god it sure feels like okay it. like six months yeah it, it sh- that's very normal it feels that's a very normal thing to, to do read one book for six months <laughs> read a children's book for six yeah, months so we've been reading one children's book for a very very long time but i think i think it's been worth it i'm i've not at all been psychically damaged by reading this book once a week um, and and engaging with Harry's increasingly infuriating adventures, I feel great. I feel great, as uh, as as they say. That's wonderful. I believe you. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds it sounds like we're both doing great. But we before we get to the end of our our, our book series here, we've got uh, a little bit of news to catch up to. Not not much. Just just a little smidgen. Sure. Most important on the docket, top of the top of the the reel, is J.K. Rowling. She's she's been on Twitter. She's back. She's been being very nice and polite on Twitter. You know, that's her prerogative. I will say she has been sneaking a few turfy likes here and there. Mm, that and um, I got the turf tweet that she made that I kind of spent a little bit of, of this like weird Twilight Zone of her tweeting again, feeling like she was trying to bury but it got bumped back up to the top of my feed because someone, uh, like a turf, replied to it mm. and said, "Like, oh, thank you. This means this means so mm. much that you you would stand for whatever." And J.K. Rowling replied to that with a heart emoji. Oh so fuck! That, that just shot it straight up to the top of my feed again. Yeah, I uh, I, I saw that, but the one there's also the little thing where she liked and also retweeted that like famous. Uh, Turf's book onto the yes, timeline. Yes, I did see so, that as well. So she's she's working back up, and I'm wondering, you know, when is when is the mask gonna fully drop? You know, mm-hmm. uh, when is the uh, you know when when it when is when is this facade that she's putting up going to disappear completely? Uh, that being said, we're getting another side of J.K. Rowling in this tweet in this mm-hmm. new tweet mm-hmm. renaissance as well. Uh, right before we started recording Common Room this week, we got Gamer Rolling again. Gamer Rolling is back. Gamer Rolling is back. She says, I'm not saying I sympathize with people who complain about the Quidditch scoring system, but why do you get 10 points in Renegade Roundup? Which I guess this is, this is from the new Mario Kart, uh, the latest Mario Kart thing, I guess. I thought this was Mario Party because she says bob Blast at the end here. Even if your team's <laughs> done all the work and you haven't caught anyone, but only points for the number of people you bomb and bob on blast. Good point. 
Joe, I guess. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't know. I've not played. I never played the new Mario Kart, actually. I, uh, for whatever reason, that was not one I picked up. Yeah, I have not played Mario Kart since maybe the GameCube Mario Kart. Double Dash? Probably my last one. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I think so. I think the Wii one was just so fucking bad that I just never, never really played another one since after that. I I think that that those games are, um, this is a irrelevant aside, (laughs) but it's in this, this is like realm of games that sure felt like they were worth it for $60 in the year, you know, 2001, uh, and really don't feel that way anymore to me, but they still are $60. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we could talk about Mario Kart or we could talk about Lego. How do you feel about Lego? You know, I, well, genuinely, I, I love to love to build Legos. Lego's awesome. I keep on seeing like the Lego Hogwartses and stuff and going, hmm, that would be, that would be cool. Um, yeah. That's something from my childhood that I, I, I still hold on to for sure. But they've announced some new Harry Potter Lego. And uh, some of them I think are pretty cool. We've got, so we've got the Astronomy Tower, which, uh, you know, we've just read. It's very cool that we have a model that we can throw a little Dumbledore off of now. Um, there's a Burrow model, which looks very nice. There's a kind of a scary Hedwig. Did you see the Hedwig? I'm sure I did, but it did not stick out to me as scary. It's something about this. I don't know. It's a little spooky to me. Oh, I did. It's not like see robot this, head. Yeah, it's a little scary. It's a little bit scary, but you know, it's still it's still pretty cool. It would be fun to build. But they've got one here, which is Lego Harry Potter Forbidden Forest Umbridge Encounter. Um, hmm. Which comes with uh, Harry, Hermione, Umbridge, and then Grop. As a huge Lego man, and then two centaurs. Yep. Hmm. Which I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about this one. That's such a like that scene. It it gets it gets brought up a lot on the subreddit, mm-hmm. and it was kind of in the genre of post where people would would post and be like, "If you think about it, it's really, really dark. effed up. What happened?" And I'm and so I spent the whole time being like, "No, I'm sure, I'm sure that that is not the case." Um, but uh, but then we got to it, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, oh, it like extremely is, it extremely uh, is that quite textual." <laughs> so it's weird to see it be. Um, <laughs> turn into a toy. Yeah, yeah. This is this is up there. It's maybe not quite as egregious because I guess I guess I guess the movie scrapes by by not having that insane scene that the book has where they like see Umbridge in the um the hospital and like make horse noises at her. Yeah. Um, which is like really the part that like like seals the deal on on that that nasty shit in the in the book. Um. But this is kind of on the same level to me as the Funko Pop of Laura Palmer wrapped in plastic. Oh my god. Like, like it's a little, it's a little, it's just a little dark for a Lego thing, maybe. I I don't know if it's appropriate. Um, But the Lego centaurs are cool, I guess. I don't think, I I don't think those have existed before. Yeah, like their Lego horse bodies. They're pretty funny. They're they're pretty cute. But uh, but I, I would say maybe a weird choice for a Lego set. Uh, mm. maybe, maybe not the most appropriate one. All right. We can't avoid it. We even have an insane Umbridge centaur related scene to talk about in our chapter. 
Yeah, somehow. We're clearing the deck. We we had a, just a tiny little appetizer of news this week, but we are we've we've got a long runway here. It is time to talk about the final chapter of okay. Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. Okay. This is chapter 30. It's called The White Tomb. Um, classes have been suspended because the headmaster was murdered by one of the teachers. Exams postponed. And many students are going home after Dumbledore um, has died. So, um, you know, not all the students um, stayed for Dumbledore's funeral. We don't know if Jack Sloper went home, uh, but a lot of people did. Um, and also a lot of visitors are arriving for the funeral that's going to be held in a couple days. Um, we get the carriage from Goblet of Fire. Um, Madame Maxime has has showed up for the funeral. There's a delegation from the ministry staying at Hogwarts, um, including Percy, uh, the minister, Fudge. Um, and it's later revealed that, like, Umbridge is there, too. Um, Harry is, and, and the... And his friends, Hermione and Ron and, and Ginny, his girlfriend, are, you know, it's it's pretty, it's like a bummer that Dumbledore died. So they're kind of sad, but they're also all hanging out together. And it's and it's springtime, um, so it's kind of like a bittersweet um, thing. And they spend a lot of time visiting Bill um, at the hospital wing. His scars are healing. I mean, his wounds are healing, but he's going to have some, some badass scars on his face from now on. Um, and but so far it doesn't seem like he can turn into a werewolf. He just likes eating meat more. Um, so so we're all good with that. Um, Jenny says that she's going to have to accept Fleur because it just seems like she really loves him. Uh, and if and if their mom uh, Mrs. Weasley can can learn to love her, then Jenny can too. Um, Hermione approaches Harry one day in the common room and and wants to talk to him about R.A.B. Uh, she's been through the library. She's looked through, um, you know, historical wizards with those initials and have, have only found like a couple people. And there's just no way that they would fit um, uh, as being uh, the person that left the note in the locket. But she also wants to tell him that um, she was right about the Eileen Prince thing. She reveals now that um, she found out unrelated during during her research that Eileen Prince was was Snape's mom. Uh, and Harry kind of puts it puts it all together and is like, oh, well, that makes sense. Just like Voldemort named himself Lord Voldemort after his muggle mom and like of course Snape who had a muggle dad would want to nickname himself something based on his mom how did Dumbledore not see that he was a, a traitor um it all it all makes sense and then they also kind of talk a little bit and Harry's like well you know it makes sense that Snape wouldn't confront me about having the book because then it would have been obvious that he was a bad guy uh anyway uh it's funeral time Harry um you know, is observing all the people that are there. Umbridge, uh, the mer people come from the lake to sing a sad song. The centaurs are there. Um, Harry also sees um, a crab and Goyle kind of hanging around, and and we get a moment of of Harry thinking to himself that he has a bit of sympathy for Draco um, because he he noticed that Draco lowered his wand uh, and probably wouldn't have killed Dumbledore. Um, Tonks is at the funeral. Um, she's holding hands with Lupin and has pink hair again, so that's all figured out. Um, Neville and Luna are there. Um, Harry uh, uh, now gives us some exposition that they were the only ones that answered the call to to fight the Death Eaters, uh, probably because they're such huge losers and were always checking their magic coin uh, to see if the DA was 
he's going to start up again. Um, Hagrid, it's, it's now actual funeral time. The ceremony has begun. Hagrid carries a body to a table. Everyone's crying. It's so sad. Grop is there. Um, there's a guy we don't know who's doing a eulogy that Harry doesn't really pay attention to. And Harry uh, instead spends some time thinking back on Dumbledore's life uh, and and the things that he liked about him, like how he said weird words at the welcoming feast. Uh, and it's at this moment that Harry is just struck uh, and finally has to come to accept Dumbledore's gone forever. He knows what he must do. Um, so many people have died for him. He's going to have to go off on his own and, and deal with these horcruxes. Um, once the eulogy's over, Dumbledore's body bursts into flames. Harry thinks he sees a phoenix flying into the air and a magic white tomb appears where the body was. Um, after the funeral is over, Harry talks to Ginny um, and and breaks up with her because he knows what he has to do. He has to go and get the Horcruxes, and she can't come with him because what if Voldemort found out they were uh, BF and GF, and then Voldemort kills Ginny, and he'd never be able to forgive himself. Um, Harry has basically the same talk with the minister um, again, where the minister approaches him and says, like, hey, do you want to come and talk about how cool I am now? And Harry says, like, nope, I'm Dumbledore's man still. Harry tells Hermione and Ron his plan. He's going to go back to the Dursleys because Dumbledore wanted him to. And then he's going to go on his his magic quest to destroy the Horcruxes. They say, of course, we're coming with you. He's like, okay. Um, and Ron and Hermione also tell him that, um, well, you also have to go to a wedding for Bill and Fleur before you can go on your Horcrux quest. And he thinks, wow, a final, a final, lovely, wonderful, beautiful event for me to enjoy my friends before I go on this like weird Horcrux suicide mission. <laughs> That's the end of the book. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to end this book. I, I think even at its worst, in mm. as we've been reading this series again, I think like even the most frustrating, like narratively uh, 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 irritating or lackluster chapters, we've we've read. I don't think I've ever ha like really felt like, damn, this is badly written. Mm. I think yeah. this chapter might have been the first time I had ever I ever had to like pause and like put the book down and go do something else for a second because not because like i was frustrated with like the story or like you know that like the 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 you know where things were going but like because the like mechanical act of reading this was bothering me so much mm, is there any part in specific that you can point to there's just so that much made you feel that way weird stuff i mean so there's there's stuff like i think that that when when the funeral starts and Harry has that like internal monologue about like you know oh I'll <laughs> never see Dumbledore again I'm never yeah. I'm never going to to like uh, uh, see this guy who the last time I met I was going to scream at for uh, not telling me why my parents died uh, I uh -huh. I thought that was terrible I think the, the part where the like he's like watching the uh the like minister or whoever it is eulogizing and he like has that like wistful part where he he suddenly remembered dumbledore's idea of a few words nitwit oddment blubber and tweak and again had to suppress a grin what was the matter with him like it was it's so cloying here uh -huh. um 
then there's also just like really weird. And I know that this is the most nitpicky of nitpicky shit. And I'm very sorry to do this. I, 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 this is not the kind of critic I usually am, but there's just weird shit. Like, uh, uh, Tonks seem to be holding hands with Lupin. What is that? <laughs> she either is or she isn't. What do you mean? He, she seemed like she was holding his hand. What does that fucking mean? Have her hands. <laughs> Like, it, it just feels so, um, like, pleased with itself and self-indulgent in a way that, like I said, even the worst, the chapters I've enjoyed least because of, like, how they pan out narratively, I think have still been, like, well-written um, and, like, fun to read, at least on, like, a, you know... I'm like my lizard brain level of like, these are pleasant words arranged in a pleasant way that I am enjoying, even if I'm maybe not loving what they say. Right. But like this, this, sure. this is the first time I like felt like I was really struggling with like how it was written. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see that. Um, I kind of liked it. Okay. A little bit. Okay. All right. <laughs> I I don't disagree with you about it just being a little like sloppy. Yeah. But to me this was like the shadow of the book this could have been. And I yeah. don't mean that it's like well done, but it is as if we are seeing the shadows of like subplots that we never got to <laughs> actually see happen. That is true. There there I will say there are a couple of really good moments in here. I think that the first pit bit with Hermione is like some good classic Hermione, like uh -huh. like like her her like very cautiously and like sort of sympathetically saying like you know I did tell like I was right that like that is so that's like perfect like Hermione characterization stuff. Um, yeah, the scene was very good with Hermione, and then and then Harry says back to her though, and how do you think I feel? And in that moment, I was like, Harry, what do you feel about yeah. this? I literally have no idea. Yeah, I, I think that's... Bad, I guess. I, I think that's maybe the core of my frustration. Is that I think a lot of the stuff... Like, there's a lot of the stuff with the other characters that I think is great. Like I said, her, I think this Hermione scene is really good for her. I think that Ginny is very well characterized in this chapter. Um, mm -hmm. I think that a lot of the, like, fringe details about the funeral are, like funny and charming and like sort of elevate the um that scene from being like completely maudlin um um there's a lot of like funny little details in there of like the other characters and like like fred and george are wearing like leather suits or whatever and that's kind of funny and like like there's, there's some there's some stuff in there um but the core problem with it is just like harry is once again back to being a character I don't recognize in this chapter and is like functionally an adult again after an entire book more or less of being like a like at least relatively believable teen mm -hmm. he's just back to being just like this wizened uh 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 and and rational adult which is just not as interesting to read in this situation yeah, I guess when I say I like it, it's it, what I really am trying to say is that I like the implications of everything that is orbiting Harry <laughs> and orbiting the funeral, <laughs> but not, but I do not like the actual meat 
of the funeral and Harry's like internal life that is coming yeah. out here. No, I think that, that makes no sense. I think that makes sense. The, the like, I, I, the, the, the worst part of it, like I said, like the, the, the part I was pointing at is just like, this was just like not fun to read and felt, felt crappy was the, is all like Harry internal monologue stuff. I, I, I think that the actual funeral scene, the, um, starting with the ceremony and ending after the ceremony like it it is it was difficult for me and i had to go back a couple times because it it almost didn't even strike me as bad i just had a hard time not just skimming it and not paying attention yeah it's just very it does a thing that, that like jk rowling really doesn't do very often in these books and it's just like here's a solid multiple page of like just description happening which is not like an inherently bad thing, right? But like that's so out of character for these novels. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's usually dialogue is peppered all the way through, and like characters react to stuff pretty immediately. Like uh, you know, we get Harry's internal view on things fairly often. It, it like that that this is one of the rare moments where it feels much more um, like it is. It is just taking a couple of pages to describe something to the reader and it and i think it kind of fails at that a little bit i mean i think it makes all of the characters in the scene interact with the scene in the way that she wants the reader to feel about the scene and that is just so uninteresting to have all of these like eclectic characters gathered in the same place to say goodbye to a character, but they don't, it's like they leave all of their motivations <laughs> their into all of their character at the door to take part in this like weird, like self congratulatory funeral exactly. scene that has no like conflict or, or, meaning other than for like aren't aren't you sad about Dumbledore being gone yeah I think that is maybe the I think that's like my core issue with this chapter and like this is speaking very broadly we'll obviously have to like zoom in on a lot of the details um but I think the the like the the greatest crime of Grindelwald that this commits is like it doesn't feel like this is a funeral for the characters it feels like it is a funeral for us to be at Mm-hmm. For a character that obviously we loved because we, you know, we, we've grown up with the books and we're reading the books. And oh no, Dumbledore died. He's my favorite character. What am I going to do without him? I better go to the funeral. I'm like, there were shades of that in that insane scene last chapter where Harry's like, we're going to have a funeral. No one's going home. <laughs> Until, like, which is, which is like crazy. Uh, and then this, this chapter like the back half of it all takes place in a a funeral that is just like so uh 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 like i mean it like on the one hand it is like like yeah this is definitely pulling from like jk rowling's personal experience of going to funerals right like like you i don't think someone could write a chapter like this without having the experience of being at a funeral cuz it does it sure. does feel like one um but like that's not necessarily what's best for the story here, and I and I think that it, it what what you say about like all these characters sort of like leave their character at the door here is very mm-hmm. apt. It's like it's like it, it it feels less like I am getting to see characters react to a major character death, and more like I am just wallowing 
in the author's like own sadness with having to kill off one of their own characters <laughs> or maybe their happiness with having to kill off one of their main characters right like it, it, it is there's like a little bit of like like you say like self-congratulatory uh feeling to this there are a lot of characters that show up to the funeral that i feel are only put in the scene to communicate what a a big deal it is that Dumbledore died, but isn't like internally consistent with who they right. are. Like Fudge is there and he's like sad, like generically sad in the same way that like the reader is supposed to be sad. Like this is a big deal. And it was, it was last book that he was like literally having like paranoid delusions about Dumbledore making a child <laughs> army to dethrone him from the government. And like, here he is being like, ah, shucks. It's a big deal that Dumbledore is Why dead. Why is Umbridge here? Like, I know the answer is the um Umbridge is here so we can get one last own in on her with the centaurs, right? But, like, uh -huh. but like why? Why is Grop here? I, I, and I, I'm not sure if it is supposed to be, like, a thing where it's, like, oh, everyone, like, leaves their conflict behind to, to say goodbye to this, like, great wizard that everyone respects and admires, except we've spent all this time establishing that he isn't well respected or admired by a lot of these characters. Yeah, he is like a controversial figure. I was about to say, oh, this is just like a novel version of the, the John McCain funeral. <laughs> but like, the thing is, is that the, the, the problem with the John McCain funeral is that you see all these like, you know, avowed liberals up there and you're like, oh, you really did like this guy for whatever fucking reason, right? Uh, whereas, <laughs> whereas here, say what you will about the Ministry of Magic, but a lot of them are principled and do not, and, and like openly do not like Dumbledore. You know, it's not like, it's not like the situation in real life with the McCain funeral where it's like, well, why the fuck are all, all these people who like should logically hate this guy? Why are they, why are they here? Uh, uh, other than to, you know, you know, to show class solidarity. Whereas here it's just like, Fudge openly accused Dumbledore of trying to, like, usurp the, the prime minister position, right? Like, these, these are not friends. Yeah, or even, like, like, friends being there and then having the other centaurs come out of the woods and do, like, the, like, 21 gun <laughs> salute yeah, for him. Yeah. And that's so I, I mean, like I under I understand the intent, right? Having the mer people and the, the centaurs there is like, oh, Dumbledore was like a friend to everyone, right? But it is so like uncharacteristic of the the centaurs that live in the forest and also like The centaurs hate humans so much that they nearly killed Ferenz for accepting Dumbledore's teaching position. Right. And it just completely undermines that conflict. Yeah. It's, it, it is, it is best, I guess, not to think about it too much. Cause it, I, I think the answer really is just like, it, it is for the sake of, of like, wow, you know, when, when push comes to shove, all these characters really do come together, which is nonsense. Right. Cause like, Push has been coming to shove in the series for at least two books now. Like Voldemort mm -hmm. exists. He murdered he murdered a teenager uh uh and and tried to kill another one at the Triwizard tournament. Why why didn't Dobby get to come to the funeral? Oh shit. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, where are the house elves? There were no house elves. That's fucked up. Do you think they were busy doing the catering? Yeah, probably. That's so fucked up. 
Oh my god! I know. Oh my god! I didn't even think about this. It's really it's uh, it struck me because when the, when we went through like went down the list of all the people that are showing up for for Dumbledore's funeral, and having that include the centaurs and the mer people who are like not even like plot adjacent at best. Um, it reminded me of the statue in the in the Ministry of Magic that has the like the goblin and the house elf and the wizard and all of that. And, and to have Dumbledore and like the house elves are, are very present in the plot. Dobby is a character. There are no merfolk characters. Right. So I was like, why, why are the house elves? Why are the like servant class not showing up at Dumbledore's funeral? If it really is just going to be this big show about how he like treated everyone equally. Yeah. Huh. That is that is weird. Why are why are they not there? And why the why the fuck do uh, the the ministry people show up? That is hmm hmm. Like I get I get Rufus right. Like he has to, he's he's the prime minister. He has to he's the minister of magic. He has to show up. Like like that is a John McCain funeral situation for him. He is just locked into that, like, mm-hmm. like, and at least he has his own motive here. Yeah, he's, he's he does to, have an agenda, as stupid as it is. Right, he's here to talk to Harry. But yeah, the centaurs have like, I guess, set aside centuries of uh, kind of apparently, as uh, the the deeper we get in this series, rightfully hating uh, 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 humans for like, yeah, ma- forcing them to live in the woods and categorizing them as beasts or whatever. Um, but they'll, they'll come out to give a 21 gun salute to the guy that they, uh, nearly killed Ferenz over for taking a job from that. Right. The Mer people are sad because God, the more I think about that, the weirder it is like, cause there's, there's, there's that nonsense line where Harry sees the Mer people singing, uh, and he like has a wistful memory. And it's one of the funniest lines in this. There was a soft splashing noise to his left, and he saw that the Mer people had broken the surface to listen too. He remembered Dumbledore crouching on the water's edge two years ago, very close to where Harry now sat, <laughs> and conversing in Mermish with the Mer chieftainess. Harry wondered where <laughs> Dumbledore had learned Mermish. There was so much he never asked him, so much he should have. Sorry, first of all, the sentence conversing in mermish with the merchieftainess is so fucking funny <laughs> like that's that's the kind of like weird stock fantasy line that like this series so deftly avoids most of the time uh-huh but also just like like having this like wistful memory of dumbledore telling them like the leader of this like mermaid tribe like hey can you pretend to just be psycho for for us can, <laughs> can you like be- it's it's for the children it's for the kids Please. it's for the kids they'll love it can you just pretend to be a stereotype for a little bit that'll be great thank you <laughs> but i guess i want to rewind a little bit because i think all the best stuff for me in this chapter was kind of at the beginning because mm-hmm. i think the like i said Her- hermione having to getting get in one last i told you so in this book is great um that that you know and and it's funny because it's like it is it is sort of sweet of her to like in in a in her own way to like one have waited this long to say it um and and two uh uh to like you know she is looking at the rab stuff she's like helping um and i think like that that's like really sweet in in a like very hermione-ish way um mm-hmm. uh to like i don't know i'll i'll wait 3 days or whatever it is to, before i do the like bypassing 
social norms to to tell you what I what I believe is correct, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think like the the stuff that works best here is like the mood in the castle uh, uh, before the f- actual funeral, right? Like that stuff's pretty good. Um, uh, seeing uh the like the professor is being sad and like like uh um <laughs> rufus taking uh snape's place at the table is pretty funny mm-hmm. like there's like all these things that like are feel so like it creates much more of a tension like like the pre-funeral tension is really good yeah yeah, and I do like that with the atmosphere. I think I mentioned in the summary that that it is like springtime, so it's like really cheery outside, and everyone is kind of um, they don't have exams and stuff. And I and I think that that's like very good at capturing the like kind of surreal Twilight Zone feeling of of grief. Yeah, and people dealing with that as like the world the world turns, um, but but time is like also kind of frozen yeah. uh, for the people in question cuz they've gone through this like traumatic thing. Yeah, and it's like so it's I like think a, that's all pretty good. Yeah, that 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 all feels very real. What did you think about Hermione kind of uh, uh relenting a little bit on like the book the book that is no longer Harry's dad being evil? I, it makes no sense. I don't this conversation is nonsense to me. The entire, like, Eileen, like, as much as I like, like, I, I do like Hermione saying, like, well, I was right, it was Eileen Prince, so, so I, I was kind of right, like, like, you know, please acknowledge me being right, like, that, that is pretty good. But the extended conversation they have about, like, the book, and the morality of the book, and why didn't you tell Dumbledore about the book, and did Snape know about the book, and was the book tell really your what? dad? Yeah, it, it's all nonsense in in a way that makes me wonder like is it supposed to like is this supposed to just be like teenage nonsense and i i think the answer is no i think this is supposed to be a very serious like revelatory conversation they have here it's it's really weird because it just never zooms out on itself i know we got sword spell which is evil but there is no nothing else that we really got to think that this is anything out of the ordinary than someone writing notes in a school book. So so to have this conversation happening happening feels surreal where Hermione where Harry is like, no, it makes sense that Snape wouldn't have turned me in for having his old book, because then Dumbledore would have known he was evil because of the notes he wrote <laughs> in his potions book. Snape that we are- found some tweets you made 20 years ago. I, you made these tweets in your book, but also, like, as far as we know, 99% of the notes in this book are just, like, how to make potions the potions better. better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's that, and then there's also Harry's completely bonkers conclusion that Dumbledore should have realized that Snape was a bad guy because Voldemort is the Dark Lord, and Snape was the Half-Blood Prince, and so I guess both having nicknames is bad. If you have a nickname, you're on the list. It's like this idea that 
that Dumbledore thought that he had ironclad proof that Snape was on their side. He knew it. He wouldn't be questioned about it. He he wasn't going to reveal what it was, but he knew. He had the the silver bullet. Mm-hmm. He knows Snape is good. And that that the idea that it's like, hey, but what about this school book that he wrote when he was sixteen? And he had this nickname <laughs> that is. Kind of like Voldemort's nickname in that it uses like an old, old timey feudal title <laughs> in it. Don't you think that's suspicious? My favorite part of that is that, that like Harry, princes outrank lords. So I, I don't know if you can really, really draw like that conclusive a line between those two things. Like if, if uh, you would, maybe it would be bad if Voldemort found out. Like Snape, what the fuck <laughs> what did the you fuck, go by dude? when you were sixteen? <laughs> Half Blood Prince, I'm the Lord. You can't. You can't, <laughs> you can't do that. You can't do that. A lord, a lord only has a small a small duchy. You have. You're the prince. You're the set. You're like the second in line for the for the throne of the whole country. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? <laughs> I guess dukes have duchies, that's incorrect. But still, like that that is such a funny uh like conclusion for like again, it is so close to like being a f- like a funny Harry being dumb thing. But the fact that like Hermione or Ron doesn't say like Harry that's stupid. Having a nickname doesn't make you evil. It makes me think that I am supposed to take this seriously as like, "Oh, damn, Harry's right." Fuck. I mean, it's presented like the conclusion of a mystery. <laughs> right. Like this this literally is the scene where it's like, oh, all the pieces fit together, except none of the, <laughs> none of the pieces make any sense. They're just nonsense. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not related really in any way. Um, also, I hate I hate to be really nitpicky. Um but it, is Hermione supposed to be good at research? <laughs> like the fact the fact that she's doing it entirely off screen makes me feel like she's supposed to be. But her research doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't understand why she wouldn't figure out that it's Snape from finding Eileen Prince in the first place. Like, why not pull on that thread a little bit? (laughs) Right. She just, like, found the name and was like, oh. The name. And was like, oh, is it her? And then he's like, no, the Half-Blood Prince is a boy. Duh. And then they just, like, left it there. Yeah. Um, That's weird. And then her, like, well, here's some funny names that are also R.A.B., Right, but it's like implied that she looked at like f- like looked for famous wizards when it's like wouldn't you be better off like doing some like research through the census or something? RAB is such a dumb mystery. It it's weird that it is both so extremely obvious but also Hermione can't figure it out immediately. Since it it is it is a weird experience to read what is presented as a mystery that is so immediately obvious to the reader and yet the characters can't yeah figure it out it's frustrating um and and a bummer because i think like uh, maybe it's just because like that kind of thing is candy to me but I, I love a good like any anyone could fit this profile mystery right like it's that's a that's a fun way to set one of these up mm-hmm. all right let's get back to the funeral in more detail funeral time I think my most, my most, or rather, not even the most, but Harry's character goes off the rails um, immediately when he thinks to himself about seeing Crabbe and Goyle and how sad they look, not with Draco, and he knows that Draco wouldn't have killed Dumbledore. What? (laughs) 
you write after spending an entire book being like, Draco is into some shit. I know he's up to some shit. I'm going to, I'm going to break all the rules to find him. Just kidding. I know he couldn't really do it. It's so weird of Harry. I'm not saying, like, I, I think it is even written in a way that is supposed to make us feel sympathetic toward Draco. We, we are supposed to be be noticing how conflicted he is and how, how alone he is. And obviously his, his, like, parents are threatened. But from the perspective of Harry, this is, like, so weirdly mature about someone who he has been enemies with his entire, like, school life here at Hogwarts it seems more like he would be bullheaded as in like, well, Draco should, should sacrifice everything. He should, you know, do, do the right thing in the face of like overwhelming odds because that's what Harry does. Yeah. I think that that is like a really clear example of why Harry's characterization in this chapter is so weird. Like I don't disagree in like a narrative sense that like, I, I have, like, symp- some sympathy for Malfoy, right? Like, m- sure. me, the reader, knowing yeah. knowing the situation he's in. Harry, the character expressing that, is very odd to me. Because, like you say, like, like you know, Malfoy has been his rival, not just in this book, but, like, throughout the entire series. Um, he, even if he did not pull the trigger, he, like, set up the entire situation that got Dumbledore killed. And I think that this speaks to one of the weirdest things in this chapter is that, like, Harry Harry doesn't embody any sort of, like, um, character here. This is just, like, proto-Messiah uh, Harry for the next book. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Harry is just the most forgiving and and, like understanding character all of a sudden which he has never been as much as i you know in his best moments i really like harry as a character and it has never been because he's like understanding and caring right like he is he is his behavior here is bizarre regarding draco and it's even bizarre regarding dumbledore like i realize that the the main takeaway here is probably that like oh you know, now that he's lost Dumbledore, he sees what really matters, and 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 bygones are bygones, and like, like, like all of those other negative thoughts that he had are just like pushed out of his head. But also, like, he's sixteen in this book, and no sixteen-year-old can do that. And and that is that is one thing in a series that like, you know, if this series had like maintained the like. The, the writing style of the first three books where, like, they're kind of, like, small adults the whole way through. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. But the last two books have been so dead set on making Harry a, like, believable, angsty teenager. Um, it It is a weird, like, sudden whiplash back to him being incredibly emotionally mature and, and like, like whip-smart, because... He had a lot of shit on his mind regarding Dumbledore before he died and like before they went on the monster energy drink tasting thing. Like he was going to yell at Dumbledore about Snape and like like hey, you never told me that Snape was involved in my fucking parents' deaths. Right? Like he had some stuff to talk to Dumbledore about. Right. And I'm surprised that his takeaway 
at the funeral is not like anger like you know or at least like a mix of sadness and anger like obviously mm-hmm. you know recognize that like dumbledore was this big mentor in your life and he's gone and and, and like that's sad and, and like you know feel conflicted but like harry had a lot of anger that he has just let go of here which is just not reasonable for a 16 year old character to do i i think that i would even take it further than that and i would say that not only is it unreasonable for a 16 year old but i would have i i'm not sure what kind of person in the middle of the things that have happened to harry would ever have right the grace that Harry has in this situation, nor should anyone be asked to have that kind of grace. Yeah. Um, It is literally messianic grace, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I think the Draco stuff is the most, I I mean, like the Dumbledore stuff, I understand as like a stand in for the reader, but the Draco stuff makes no no sense. Like Draco has been spouting like race science at Harry since the moment that he met him. <laughs> mm-hmm. He like he, I mean, in Chamber of Secrets, he was hoping that Muggleborns would be killed, like his classmates. Uh-huh. Like that's some like sicko shit. Um, Lu- Lucius was involved in the battle that killed Harry's godfather, like his only father figure. And and is, you know, he's a Death Eater um, and was involved in, like, Harry's parents being killed. So for Harry to see that Draco might have lowered his wand against Dumbledore and think, like, oh, well, Draco's parents are being threatened by Voldemort. I understand what I would do in his <laughs> shoes. Like, are you kidding right, me? Yeah. Harry's parents have been killed by Voldemort. Sirius Black has been killed by Voldemort. Like, why would he have any kind of sympathy for Draco in that situation. I I would have a hard time imagining a person that could. I mean, Draco like curb stomped him at the very yeah. beginning of this book. Um and and to have him just be like, oh well, um like exhibiting the same kind of sympathy that I know that the reader is supposed to feel, but I do not need Harry the character to hold my hand into knowing that Draco is in a tough situation. Right, exactly. Yeah. The like me, the reader, I understand and sympathize that like Draco is at a like crossroads in his life where he, you know, he has been raised to be this little Nazi boy his whole life. But after like, you know, after like seeing what that actually means, he clearly got cold feet. Right. Like, and that's Mm -hmm. an interest. That's a really interesting story. But like having the protagonist who has been his like rival for his entire life and this entire book series suddenly like completely empathize with him. In book six out of seven. Uh, yeah, and then be like, oh, I don't think he would have done it. Based on, ba- and like, essentially nothing, right? <laughs> based on the fact that he was interrupted before he could. Right. Yeah, um, it is, it is a bummer. Because, like, I, it, like, especially because I do think that the Malfoy stuff is genuinely very interesting. I think, that, like, you know, despite the fact that I think it is, he has done a huge disservice because this is a book that, you know, is locked to one POV for most of it. And, like, you know, we don't see much of him. I think that, like, if I had to, like, pick one character, oh, well, aside from maybe Ginny, um, I think that Draco is the character who, like, got the most interesting, like, narrative glow up in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, bet- between this and, and previous novels. 
because we do get that like that more three-dimensional element to him and we do realize that like oh yeah he's like he's maybe realizing some shit and like and like you know i i'm invested in whether or not he chooses to continue walking this path or not right um one it's very funny that apparently this plot line just gets completely dropped i don't think this i mean that makes this its resolution right yeah. this i like this is resolving it in our mind like oh draco has had his redemption arc because harry assumes <laughs> what might right. have happened differently if different things happen right because as far as I, I i know that one thing people always say they prefer about the deathly hallows movie to the book is that like draco does get to do something in in the last movie or whatever that's like uh, uh slightly redemptive right like he makes he gets to make more choices in the book or in the movie than he does the book um, right uh so it is it is funny reading this and realizing like he said like oh this is the conclusion of draco's character arc more or less and it's harry musing about like oh well i guess i guess i will turn the other cheek <laughs> which is so again like it it is so funny because like like it is admirable grace that harry has here uh-huh. but it is but it is it is grace that does not make sense for like any human 16 year old or like you say like really anyone in this situation to have at this juncture right you could maybe get there uh after like i don't know interacting with malfoy at all i think that's part of the problem here is that harry does not interact with malfoy he saw he saw um malfoy maybe have a shadow of doubt about what he was doing because he was the camera in that scene um yeah but he has not like talked to malfoy he has not like uh you know sat down with him and like hashed this situation out or anything um there's no reason for Harry to be this understanding at this point. It, it's it's weirdly condescending toward the reader, yeah. which I think that normally J.K. Rowling does a pretty good job of not talking down specifically to kids, yeah. right? Like, I think that that really is part of the first few books that feels so good is that there's at no point where where it, it feels like it's kind of talking down to you. Yeah. Um, and your ability to, like, understand like what's going on I, I guess i think that's one of the things that it, it is so strong about the writing harry and and, and hermione and ron a, as adults basically is so good because mm-hmm. like when i was a kid i didn't recognize that right i just like yeah I, I just was just like oh harry ron and hermione are so cool and so smart and and can hold their own talking to adults right and like obviously me at 11 probably could not <laughs> have um and i you know had a lot of growing up to do between reading it and and now but like reading something as a kid where characters are not just spoken to the way you are spoken to as a kid always feels good mm-hmm. i think yeah but it just feels weird that it's like this book doesn't trust you enough to recognize and and have some like external sympathy for Draco's situation being a 16 year old who is being threatened with the death of, of his family <laughs> right. um to do this suicide mission like like I can I can get there just fine without having Harry think that to himself because he would never he would never think that especially because we got that chapter with Snape and Narcissa we right. we don't need this there there's a version of this where like okay if we have to make a like uh you know a shitty bargain here to like get this character arc through without uh 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 
like changing the like f- entire format of the series. I get it. If 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 we had had known Narcissa chapter and this book was entirely from Harry's perspective, and it's like, well, this is the last time Malfoy's ever going to show up. Better get me- better make sure everyone realizes this is his character. Like, I wouldn't like it still, but I would get it. But like with the Narcissa chapter here. It's pretty explicit to us, the readers, already that Draco is in a situation he can't control. Mm-hmm. Like, like his, you know, his his mom made Snape make an unbreakable vow to stop it. Like, it is clearly a big deal and clearly a conflict. Um, and I don't need Harry to suddenly like have like Christ-like clarity to 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 realize that. It's also just kind of wrong as well, um, because, like, just because Draco is, like, put in this really bad situation of having to do, like, this weird suicide murder, murder plot, it really isn't representative of him having, like, a change of heart or thinking that what Voldemort is doing is bad. Right. It's still very self-serving on his part. Like, yeah. like at, a cer- at a certain point, you're like, oh... Yeah, I guess it does suck that that you were forced to do a suicide mission. Uh, you are still part of the the Nazi Death Eater Club, though, right? <laughs> and and if it were someone else doing this, you would probably just be kind of into it, right? Yeah, if, yeah. If if you if you had not literally been put in the shoes of the like foot soldier here, you would be you would you would not have thought twice about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I'm not against Draco having a redemption arc. That is all just fine, uh, but it it feels like he is at the beginning. Yes, of a redemption arc. Yeah, that doesn't go anywhere. Right. It's 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 like the the things I think the things that we are saying are things that would be great to come up in the story. Right. Like if there was a scene in book seven where you know Malfoy swears. Uh, I don't know. Just just this isn't even rewrite. This is just like spitballing like the most basic redemption arc shit. Um, but if, if, if Malfoy was like, oh, I want to join you on the Horcrux mission, Harry, I was so wrong the whole time. I'm so sorry. And Harry would be like, fuck you. Like, you're only, you're only saying that because you were put in danger, right? Like, like, do you, do you still think that, uh, um, um, you know, Muggleborns are, are, are dirt? Like, like, that's, that's a conflict you can have in a story, right? Like, make the characters work for for their redemption arc right draco's not doing any work for a redemption arc here jk rowling just said like well harry sees that it, things are things are tough i guess all over and it's all <laughs> <laughs> harry's like damn who would hate to be draco i guess <laughs> i forgive him that's very christ-like of harry yeah yeah, and like the Dumbledore stuff is the same to me. Like I, I wish that that Dumbledore, or I wish that Harry was holding on to some kind of anger with Dumbledore. Any any kind of feeling conflicted. I mean, that's that's all very human, right? Yeah. This like, hey, mad at you for being dead a little bit. Mad that I had this unfinished business with you. Mad that you're not here. Oh, now I feel bad for being mad. Yeah, like, it's just. It's pretty basic, but it's just too, it's too perfect. Like everything is just too tied with a little bow. Um, It makes it feel like this should either be like the beginning of a story or the actual, actual ending. Yeah. Yeah, And and just, just Harry, 
Harry feeling no conflict and like just sadness that, that Dumbledore Dumbledore will no longer be kind of kind of wistful sadness, just like Dumbledore would have wanted. Yeah, there's no no bitterness, no no like and no personal stake for Harry. I think that like that is the again it it's like this sudden turn Harry is having in this chapter and then will be completing in the next book into just like the Christ figure for the story is so corny and like like ill handled here harry is i i think the most selfish thing harry thinks in this chapter is like like damn damn i'm i'm going to miss him i'm going to miss him saying hi to the mer people and like and and then then mostly he's just like enraptured by like wow all these people are here all these people are here to see the 21 gun salute from the centaurs <laughs> and that is just really unsatisfying. It's it's like Harry has Harry has barely been a character for a lot of this series. Um, I think that's a criticism we've had of 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 him kind of all the way through, kind of on and off. Mm-hmm. But I, I worry that like this is like the final, like m- maybe we're having a funeral for Harry as a character now because he's. He is going to be uh, uh, Wizard Jesus next next book, and him just like suddenly having this level of grace and this level of like selflessness and like lack of anger, like that's so opposite to what the few moments of like actual characterfulness we get out of Harry in this book. You know, it it almost it, it is a funny kind of like reflexive. Um, feeling or it's hard not to feel like this book is an answer to the criticism of Order of the Phoenix where people were really frustrated with Harry being so mad mm-hmm. all the time yeah that he's just like the perfect little angel now <laughs> one year later like, like, for, like no longer depressed no longer angry <laughs> everything's great when you're 16 I mean, it's it's driving me crazy because it's like from from Harry's perspective, Dumbledore just got himself killed because he wouldn't listen to Harry. Yeah, he kept saying that he had this like ironclad proof that that Snape was a good guy, and and now now he's been killed because he wanted to believe this guy who has been bullying Harry his whole life and got Harry's parents killed, and he didn't tell him that, and now Harry has to go on this like insane stupid quest and he has to do it completely alone but good thing that harry doesn't feel any like conflict <laughs> or strife well, over that whatsoever it is so weird too because like the, the the harry at the beginning of this chapter and harry at the end of this chapter are different people and not a, yeah and, and i don't mean that in a, like wow he really like developed he really grew up it's like no <laughs> these are different characters like like harry harry is like you know, we we were sort of goofing on like the whole like oh I can't believe Dumbledore didn't recognize they both use nicknames thing, but like carry that energy through the funeral, please. Like even that's even though that's goofy, that's at least like understandable anger at Dumbledore and like the whole situation, right? Like mm-hmm. like you know, for for as silly as that specific example is, like he is frustrated and he is like getting snappy with his friends if they ever mention Snape. And he's like pissed off that um that Dumbledore didn't listen to him. And it's like 
And then, but then it's like, as soon as he sees Hagrid carrying the purple body in, which is so funny, by the way, the, the description, there are so many parts of this funeral that like are so just like, like laying it on so thick that it becomes comedy to me. And I mm-hmm. think, I think Hagrid wrapping Dumbledore in a purple flag and bringing him out to the, the <laughs> funeral is so fucking funny. Like that is such a good image to me. Um, Especially the fact that, like, there's that line where Harry's like, oh, he realized it must be Dumbledore's body. And I'm thinking about, like, how many days it's been since they, since the, like, the incident last chapter happened. <laughs> and I'm like, it has, has Hagrid just been keeping a corpse in his hut this whole time? Like, what, 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 what was going on there? Just down in the Hogwarts morgue. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the Chamber of Secrets has been converted into a morgue. <laughs> Did they bag and tag war? Dumbledore before the funeral? Like what? <laughs> I mean, it's so. I mean, that's that's just. It is that, and a few other details um, are just the extreme. Like it is. It is going through the motions and acting like a king has been killed. Right. But he's <laughs> this like is a high school principal that just my... got murdered. Yeah. I'm thinking of, like, all the, like, best funeral scenes that I've seen in movies or read in books or whatever. And, like, there are ways to, like, inject comedy into them even that, like, you know, is 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 fun and, and kind of sweet or, like, ironic or whatever. Like, I was thinking about the, like, do you remember in the first season of Game of Thrones there's that scene where a king dies and they, like, try to give him the Viking funeral but the archer is drunk and can't hit the, the like, flaming oh, yeah. arrow. And the, there's, yeah. like, that excruciating five-minute scene of him trying like, yeah. that's fucking hilarious. I love that. Uh-huh. This scene of, like, sad, a sad nine-foot-tall man carrying a purple body that's been in his house, presumably, <laughs> for a weekend or whatever, putting it on a, like, a, a stone slab, and then a fireworks display happening, and, like, turning it like magically turns into a tomb like like a david copperfield show or something like (laughs) there's a real comedy to this that i don't think is intentional and i wish it was like i wish that this was like just an absurdist like like oh like harry going like is this what like all wizarding funerals are like is this just is this just how this goes like i feel like that is a missed opportunity to like make this like fun and bittersweet and instead it's just like so like it's presenting these absolutely absurd images to us and expecting us to be like damn that is sad oh the 21 gun salute from the centaurs i'm so i'm so moved by this the centaurs put on their dress uniforms for this yeah it is there's just like a level of absurdity to this that like i feel like if it had leaned into it and had it had been purposeful and it had been because like that's the thing is like dumbledore was an eccentric, right? I mean, even Harry, like, thinks about that, but he thinks about how inappropriate the funeral is yeah. to Dumbledore's, like, true self and essence, which is his, like, w- weird words that he says uh, in the first speech or whatever. So why why not have the funeral match the character that has died? Yeah, I feel like that could have been really fun. And, like, like it could have salvaged a lot of this for me, I think. It's just, like, you know, add an element of, like, strange levity to this because because dumbledore 
I mean, th- there's the other thing, too, is that, like, one of the things Dumbledore has, like, hammered into Harry this whole series is that, like, death's not a big deal, right? Like, mm-hmm. you've got to stop worrying about dying and, like, being immortal. Like, like, like that will drive you crazy. That'll make you Voldemort if you just worry about being immortal all the time. Right. Like, that is the whole thing. And so for his funeral to be this insanely maudlin like mournful thing you know even if he was murdered like i i get that that's that's a big deal but like surely dumbledore the the wisest oldest man in the world who knows that uh uh, death is no big deal and and wants harry to learn to not be afraid of it why is his funeral so sad why is it so like over the top like this the fireworks display is very funny I don't know what the implication of that is. <laughs> Who cares? A bunch of people spell? scream or like startled by it. Is that a Dumbledore spell from like beyond the grave? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Who Who cast that spell? Like there There are so many ways to go with this that are not just like Qui Gon Jinn burning on the on the funeral pyre. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh like I, I like we said kind of closer to the beginning. Of this like it's self indulgent and it feels like it's for us, the audience. Because we're sad yeah. that Dumbledore's dead. Yeah, how do you feel about um, it actually being right and cool and good that um, Hagrid took Grop out of uh, his, his away from his home and his people? Yeah, that's um, great. In order to join uh, quote unquote civilized society. Uh, yeah, that's great. Thank you, thank you, Hagrid. You you made him wear a suit. Can't think of any stories where the moral of where that exact thing happens, and the moral is you shouldn't do that. <laughs> hmm. I'll have to think on that one. Um, we got to talk about Ginny. I think that's the main, the main remainder here. Ginny Watch. Ginny Watch. Ginny is a character. She is a stock character, but she's a character. She sure is. Um, kind of a good one here, honestly. Yeah, I think this is probably my favorite moment. I mean, I say that, and it's also extremely stupid. It's an incredibly um, frustrating moment, but, like, Ginny shines in it. Yeah, so she gets this moment where um, where Harry sees her approach, and, and he knows what's coming, and she knows what's coming, and she is described as having the same look on her face, that look of determination, uh, of maybe fiery determination approaching him, uh, and it is the same as the look that she had when when she approached him uh, to kiss him after the Quidditch game. Um, and it is the, of course, moment that was always coming, which is that Harry has to tell her that they have to break up because otherwise Voldemort tur- might turn into a real sicko and kill Ginny just to make make him sad. Um, and he has to go do his Rambo mission. I get that Harry thinks that this is the noble thing to do, because Harry is Rambo. But I am so shocked and annoyed and frustrated that, like, Harry just gets to kind of bulldoze Ginny here and Ginny mm-hmm. doesn't get to be a character like anymore basically she has this great shining moment where she's like like this is stupid I'm going with you like 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 you know she's very defiant here but she eventually relents and is just like well okay like I guess you're the boss like you're the you're the boy uh and it, it sucks. It's it's a real bummer. And it's I think it stings all the more that like her characterization here is so good. Cause it's like it sucks that the best moment we get with Ginny is her like almost arguing with the author, right? Of like 
Like, why are you writing me out of this story? Yeah, why is J.K. Rowling such a coward? Yeah. The the potential... The, the like, Ginny sticking with Harry... Like, all, all the things that, like, Harry says, where he's like, oh, Voldemort might target you to get at me. Like, I wish that Harry wasn't just, like, saying interesting things that could happen in the story. <laughs> like... Like, like, yeah, that could happen. Sure would be interesting if that was maybe something that happened in the next book. But because you've already, like, said it and are, like, taking precautions against it, I guess it won't. So thanks for that, Harry. Like, why... Why, like, short yourself like that? And, and more, more importantly, why not let Ginny tag along for the big adventure if she's such an important, like, character in the series and, like you know, the, the most perfect girlfriend ever for Harry. Show us that. Have her come along on the adventure. I feel like she's being pigeonholed into being like this weird military wife where she has to like wait wait at home for, right. for Harry to return from the war. Yeah. Um, and it is so contrary to really what I think her character is supposed to be, right? Like yeah. she wants to be in it. Yeah. Um, and it is so bizarre that she doesn't fight against Harry here, especially because his argument makes no sense. Yeah. Um, because he, he's doing the whole thing. It's like, everyone I love dies. True. That does seem to be a trend. But them breaking up doesn't change the Weasleys are like an enemy of Voldemort. Well, not only that, could you imagine? I If, if I was Ginny, I would be... So fucking pissed if I if like Harry broke up with me over this stupid like like weird no like she even says like oh you're you're doing this to be noble right like she knows exactly what he's doing yeah um and then him walking a few feet and then Hermione and Ron appearing and saying we're going with you no matter what and him going okay like. What the fuck? <laughs> like, I would be, I would, I would say, like, you know what? I'm breaking up with you at that point. Like, forget it. Bye. Like, like, see you. I mean, the logic just makes no sense too, because they they approach him and he he kind of tries to do the same thing where he's like, well, no, I have to do this on my own. I don't want to risk anyone else. And they basically say like, oh, but we didn't quit before, so we're not gonna quit now. And he's just like, <laughs> okay. It's so, yeah, it's it's so unbelievable that that like he he lets them tag along. He he's he's just such a pushover with them, like immediately. Like they, they press back once against his assertion that like he has to be Rambo and do it himself, and then he's like, Well, okay. Ginny, I guess, doesn't uh 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 like Harry, that's your girlfriend. Bring her along. What like if if not just for like, you know to be nice and to like not be a psycho Rambo guy. Uh, think of the storytelling potential that would have if, if it was Harry, Ron, Hermione and Ginny going camping together and having to be annoying teenagers while also saving the world. Like that is the most basic like story setup ever, but like, that's a story that's meaty, right? Like, like you can get a lot of stock drama out of that. Yeah. And honestly, in any, any kind of like character driven, um, story like this, just throwing a new person with a new perspective and relationships with all of the characters that we already know separately 
it just adds interest. There are like legitimately so many routes that you could take. Like, you know, you could have Ron um, like getting more bitter with Harry and maybe recanting on his whole like, well, it's okay if if you date my sister, I guess. You could have uh, tension with Ginny. Maybe she thinks that like Harry and Hermione are too close. Maybe... Hermione feels left out. Maybe like like again, these are all the most basic ass like 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 frankly like overdone character drama like uh 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 recipes, right? But there's something um and there would be something new for this book and or for the series and it is so weird that they would or that the J.K. Rowling would just like just like nip that in the bud. Like like no, I do not want this. I do not want this juicy character drama actually. No thank you. It it is so strange the amount of work that she'll do to invest in establishing characters and making you care about them, but then just like snatching away any possibility of them getting anything to do. Right. God, that was the thing you said about Luna and Neville at the beginning of this uh uh chapter. <laughs> Is is so apt to like him, Harry just going like, damn, I bet they were I bet they were sitting around twiddling their thumbs waiting for me to call them on the coin this whole time. Fucking losers. It's like, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of sitting on my thumbs waiting for them to appear because they're good characters that I like and I'd like to see more of them. All of the groundwork is laid. It's just like it is so resistant to doing anything with it. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah, it's I, I don't know why. I think the the Ginny thing is just so crazy to me. Like you spend this whole book, like like setting up their relationship and doing this will they or won't they thing, and Harry pining after her while she's dating Dean, and then they date for one chapter, and then he's like, oh, I gotta, you know, I can't have, I can't have you hanging over my head. What if Voldemort sends a strike team, a hit wizard to, to? You? It's like, well, like, why does Harry have that foresight, like? I mean, I think that this is the second, this is like the one tube in the of Carrie's character being just like way, way, way too mature past what you can expect his character to be. Yeah. Um, the first of obviously is him just being f- like totally forgiving of Draco. Mm-hmm. But the idea to me that a 16 year old who has to go do this weird save the world quest would have the strength and maturity to say no my girlfriend who I like a lot and um, and enjoy doing everything with and and don't want to lose. I, I won't take you on my camping trip. What 16 year old <laughs> is going to turn that opportunity? Are down? you kidding me? <laughs> In fact, what if what if God, you could even insert some drama into this chapter? Why not have Harry? Turn to Ginny and like whisper to Ginny, like, you know, I'm going on the Save the World adventure, but if you know what I'm saying, I'm just saying, you want to come along. And her going, like, yes, of course, I will, I will go with you. And then them trying to sneak away and Hermione and Ron being like, hey, hi. Yeah. Can we come along? And Harry having to be like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> like, that would be way, but you can, oh. There's so many good ways you can arrange this story. Yeah, and also, like, that that also creates conflict for Harry with some other characters. Because, like, 
Of course, he's being insanely reckless, right? He wants to bring his girlfriend along with him on this, like, save the world quest, but it's not all fun and games. That creates conflict between him and, like, the Weasleys who want to protect their youngest (laughs) daughter. It creates conflict. It's like, hey, can you guys stop making out and come find this Horcrux, please? Right. And then Harry's sitting there like, oh, I have to do this thing. Like, I've I've gone through all this stuff, but I also just want to be a normal teen hanging out with my girlfriend on a camping trip. (laughs) Right, exactly. Yeah, God, that's so that's so good. And, and the, the thing, I think, the thing that, that I think really just just nails the the frustration in for me with the, with like the way that this is set up is that, like Harry is both exhibiting insane Christ like grace and maturity, but he is also still making a very teenagery decision here to go on the quest. Like this isn't, it's not like Dumbledore like pulled him aside before he died and was like, Harry, I need you to go on a camping trip uh, after I die. So you can find the rest of these. Like he just like vaguely alluded to needing to destroy all of them. Right. Right. He didn't give Harry a like mission plan. Um, (laughs) And so Harry deciding that the best thing to do is not go to Hogwarts and, uh, and going on this like adventure by himself is a very reckless decision that he's making while also being like, oh, well, I guess, you know, things are hard for Draco too. And like, well, damn, it's going to be sad without Dumbledore. I can't have a girlfriend because what if, what if Voldemort uses that against me? Like he's making these very like cold, rational decisions while also making the dumbest possible decisions. to just like, I'm going to go find uh, all these magical dark artifacts by myself uh, and not go to school. I don't know how to destroy them. I don't have any other information about them, but here I go. Yeah. In fact, if one of these, like, he, there's that part early in this chapter where he's, like, reciting that mantra of, like, what the other Horcruxes are. And it's like, okay, something of Gryffindor. <laughs> like, he doesn't even mm, know what it is. Cup? He's like, cup, tiara, and then something. Don't know what it is. Like, he he's, has very little to go on here. He has My, no skills either. It, what if, it would be cool, you know, what if Harry knew someone? Who not only was like good at researching stuff, but liked <laughs> doing it, hmm. and was like, "Hey, you know, I'm not very smart, but I do have this information. Could you look this up for me?" You know, it's just a shame that there's no one in Harry's life like that. That is too bad. He's miss. He's he's got a real hole in his life in in the like uh, doing research on what stuff could possibly be department. Yeah, and it's really weird that he can't, he doesn't have anyone um, to take along with him that maybe he gave combat training to (laughs) (laughs) earlier, earlier in this series that could go along and and kind of, kind of help him with any kind of, you know, obstacles he might run into in his quest. It's a good thing he's not a huge asshole and didn't forget that, uh, uh, not only not forget, um, that he trained those people, but also didn't call them fucking losers uh, for wanting to uh, uh, help him and hang out with him at the beginning of this chapter. I think that's like one of the craziest details. Like th- this, just idea that Harry would just be say about Neville and Luna, Luna or th- think it rather that it's like, oh yeah, guess they just were sitting around watching their phone all night, hoping someone would text them. They're huge <laughs> losers. <laughs> Which is so funny because, like, oh, the 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 scene with uh, Harry and Luna 
where he asks her to go to the slug club thing is one of the cutest things that there's ever been in this series. <laughs> and for him to just like, I don't know, 10 chapters later, but whatever, be like, all, all love goods know is charge they phone, eat hot chip, wait for me to call them. Like, <laughs> it's so funny. And there's one last bit of uh, ex- insane extra maturity here that I find in- uh, incredibly funny uh, in the very end here. Mm-hmm. Um, which is everyone, everyone's like, okay, we're coming with you. We're not taking no for an answer. We're joining you on your dumb adventure. Not your girlfriend, though. Just us. Right. Um, and then they say, but we've got to go to the borough first. And he's like, why? Bill and Fleur's wedding, remember? And he's like, oh, yeah, I got to go to that first. This is what? this is insane. This is so funny. I I lost it. I don't know what this reminds me of other than, like, I guess, like a Regency novel. Um but there's no there's no 16-year-old boy on earth that would react this way <laughs> to, being to told having to, they go have to go to, go to a, a wedding. wedding. <laughs> I'm 28 and I would not react this way to most weddings. It's wedding like for, for two people that he barely knows also. <laughs> I know that he's close with the Weasleys, but yeah. what? Being, being a teenager and being dragged to weddings... Is like that is you know for for I I would say for like a certain level of like middle class teen that is actually the worst thing that will happen to you in 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 your like school years yeah like the the experience of like not getting to play Halo with your boys for one weekend because you have to go to a wedding for two of your family friends that you don't know uh huh. That is that is a that is a harrowing event for many teenage for many teenagers. It's it is yeah, and obviously I'm exaggerating. There oh, are yeah, certainly I'm, some teenagers that want that want to go to a wedding or whatever. <laughs> but it it rings so oddly when Harry is supposed to be, I think, this like very generic stock middle class sixteen year old boy character. Yeah. That, pro- that just wants to play Halo 2 with Ron for the weekend right. and, and has to go to to this wedding for people he doesn't know. But the book, take, he takes on this, like, wistful, like, nostalgic, very uncharacteristic um, internal <laughs> monologue where he's like, ah, the last golden days with my friends and family before I go on my quest. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Who knows if I will ever be able to to enjoy these golden days again? <laughs> it's like, oh, I just want to play Halo and hang out with Jimmy. It's like Come an on. anime voiceover. Yeah, it is. It is so. Like I said, beginning of this chapter and end of this chapter, two different people. This is not Harry Potter. Harry, Harry, no sixteen-year-old boy would be like, "Damn, hell yeah, I, I can't wait to go." Oh, to a Bill wedding. and Fleur's wedding! I would oh. never miss that. <laughs> Especially after he's seen what a wizarding funeral is like, which is apparently just like like a like a, a normal uh 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 you know Muggle funeral, but maybe even more boring. Um, but instead we get uh, he's like, "Damn." Damn, I'd love to go to another one of these uh, mandatory life events. 
it just doesn't match the urgency of the other things that he's thinking to himself. Yeah. I know, I know that this is like a victim of like having to end the book somewhere and she had to like end it on like a nice, like, Oh yeah, that'll be like, I'll go to the wedding thing. But like, this feels like it should continue for like maybe another page. And Harry's being like, do I have to go to, I'm, I'm saving the world here. I'm literally going on a camping trip to save the world here. Do I have to go to the fucking wedding? I mean, also, it it is completely just at odds with him saying that he shouldn't be close to anyone, so he has to break up with his <laughs> right, GF yeah. because they don't want he doesn't want them to be killed. But now he's going to go to his GF's family's wedding. Yeah, and that, which like, I think it, is attacked by Death Eater. Yes, it is. That is exactly what happens. Imagine, imagine like again, Ginny. You, you like like Harry is just broken up with you for some stupid noble. Like, like, noble Rambo reason. He then walks over and then says to his friends, yeah, uh, uh, sure, you can come with me. Uh, not my girlfriend, though. And then, not only that, but your brother is like, hey, and do you want to come to my older brother's wedding at, at my family's house? And he's like, yeah, you know what? I think I got time for that. Like, what Yeah, the wouldn't f- miss it. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't miss it for the world. Like, just imagine Ginny standing there like, what What just happened Hello? to me? <laughs> like, what, like, what did I do? Did I say something? It doesn't make any damn sense. It does not make any fucking sense at all. Um, oh, I forgot about the conversation that Harry has with the minister. Where we oh, just get to have the same conversation again. Yeah, it's literally the same conversation you had with him the first time. Minister, don't you know... The definition of insanity is doing the same thing twice and expecting a different result. That's what Harry should have said. That would have been yeah, epic. I, I I don't have that much to say about it, honestly, other than that, like, the, 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 like, repetition of the Dumbledore's man through and through thing, like, more defiantly from Harry here, just cements how weird the other stuff we were talking about with him and, like, not having any conflict about Dumbledore like maybe like like I I could see like if you needed to have this scene in here having him be conflicted throughout the funeral and like maybe a little more selfish and like like you know angry during the actual funeral and then being presented with the alternative which is the minister right Mm -hmm. Uh, and then like him maybe decide you know him him realizing where his loyalty lies then that would make more sense um, but the fact is, like, like this whole chapter, he's been like, so sad. I love Dumbledore so much. I'm so devastated by this. And then, because of that, him just repeating this line to the, uh, this line back to to Rufus is just like it's flat. It doesn't really have any punch to it. I'm very bothered that the Ministry is not more of an obstacle to Harry. And I yes. guess what, what I mean by that is, like, we have this conversation with the minister, and it's happened twice now. And we know that we're, like, kind of mad at the ministry for not doing enough, not yeah. arresting Voldemort. I don't know what, <laughs> what we think they should be doing. Um, but they don't actually, like, create a material obstacle for Harry, which feels really weird in a circumstance where principal just got murdered by a teacher there's no there's no bureaucracy there's no police trying to figure out 
like what happened here. Right. Um, it is brought up that Harry doesn't want to talk to the minister because he doesn't want to be asked about what happened in the cave or what they were doing beforehand. But I'm surprised that he isn't being like detained. I'm surprised that that is not an urgent obstacle in his life where it's like, yes. well, Harry was with the guy who was murdered before he was murdered and won't say where they were or what they were doing. Yeah. There's even a line that Rufus, the screamer says it's like, we can put two and two together. There were two broomsticks and you left with him. Right. Like, like they're, they're clearly like aware of the situation. And I think it's all the weirder considering when this book was written. Uh-huh. Um, because like, you know, we, we've mentioned many times that like the ministry is like this kind of amorphous, like criticism of like, uh, 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 uh you know, Iraq war era government. Right. But the the thing is, is that, like, and maybe this is just, like, J.K. Rowling not really understanding, like, world politics at all, which is, you know, entirely possible. But, like, the issue with, like, the English government uh, 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 around this time wasn't that it wasn't doing anything or was ineffectual. It's that it was doing stuff that was fucked up. It was like, no, you you sent troops to Iraq. Like, you you were detaining uh, people who looked too Muslim uh, in the street, right? Because, because people were reporting them for being terrorists because they went and got groceries wearing a headscarf or whatever. Like, it's, it's not lack of action that was the problem with, uh, with the government at this time. It was heinous action, right? Like, it, it was efficient, and it was, uh, uh, like... It had an agenda, right? And so this this weird, I do, like I don't know what this metaphor is supposed to be. Like like what is the what is the ministry supposed to represent in the in these books? I mean, it it really is, I think, a liberal fantasy, but also what they think was happening because it comes up with Stan Shunfike, right? Is right. It this, there's this idea that the government, they can't figure out what to do. They can't find Voldemort. They're incompetent. They are uninterested in actually doing the right thing. But it's just because they're so stupid and they're not right. smart enough. And did you hear George W. Bush said nuclear in a funny way? Um, <laughs> but also because, right. because they're incompetent and don't know what to do, they're just arresting random people on the street to try to look like they're doing something. But really, right. they're just like slipping all over themselves, slipping on a banana peel, not yeah. knowing what to do and that's not real yeah (laughs) yeah the issue with conservative governments is not that they're stupid morons like they're not that's that's worse that they're not (laughs) they're very smart and calculated at doing the bad things they want to do they keep doing them George (laughs) Bush slipped on a banana peel well he choked on a pretzel okay actually that was pretty funny when that happened um, but yeah, it's, it's like, uh, it, it's, it, the, the, the ministry in this series is not representative at all of the thing that I know that it's supposed to be representing, right? Like, like mm-hmm. that was like, when these books were coming out, that was like the, the number one, I was like, wow, these books are growing up with their audience and they're getting really political. And it's like getting really political means they're saying like, the president is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> 
which is just like not <laughs> not it, interesting it, or valuable. It, it just it creates this weird tension between one because. Dumbledore's death is being treated like a king has died. It feels more like the ministry is arriving as like visiting dignitaries to like right. a separate nation state to like, <laughs> like a to like say state. yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's like yeah. and it's like they're showing up because they have to because like the president of Hogwarts <laughs> died, right? Yeah. But at the same time, we know that they're also just like kind of the cops, but they're not creating any sort of like. Uh, they're not doing an investigation or well, they're also like, terrified of the school being a seat of power, right? Which is so funny. And, Scrim and, and Scrimger is just like, Harry, do you want to tell me why you were with Dumbledore? And he's like, No, but there's no follow up, there's no like, okay, well, you're gonna have to come to the ministry and you're gonna have to talk to the police because you were there. We're and gonna you were put a you child. in the brain room until you tell us, right? And so it it also feels like a a missed opportunity to set up the idea that Harry is both running from the ministry and running from Voldemort. <laughs> right. Yeah. It God. Why not? Why yeah, that would be fucking sick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a, a a a big pile of missed opportunities is what I would call this chapter. And this book really. Uh, I don't want to get too too much into it because we have our um, our book club uh, to get to in our third segment. But I, I think that that is an apt way to describe it. This is there's so many missed opportunities in this book because there are like there are so many good ideas or like interesting concepts left on the table that are just never seen all the way through. I kind of want to swap Order of the Phoenix and this book like in their place in the series, uh -huh. because I think it would have made way more sense to have Fudge be the minister here and still be denying that Voldemort has returned and then try to play off Dumbledore's murder as just like a like domestic dispute between him and Snape, like a, like a, like a co-worker, <laughs> um, like, you know, shooting his boss or whatever. And I what think that, that would have been sinister. It? Right. What if, what if Harry refused to say what they were doing in the cave and Fudge was like, well, okay, you were there. You must have killed him. Yeah. Harry's on the run. There you go. There's your story. The story doesn't make any damn sense. It doesn't make any damn sense. But maybe maybe the book club will help us uh, 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 make some sense of it when we come back after a little break. Sounds good. We will go again in one and two and three and hello everyone and welcome back. I said I was ready and then I immediately felt a sneeze coming on and it's, it's still there. Mm. Mm. Maybe? I'm not helping. I'm just remaining completely silent. <laughs> I'm going to choose to plow, plow ahead. If I sneeze, so be it. That is, that is God's will. Um, it is time. It is the appointed time for us to check in with Pottermore's own book club questions for Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Um, this is an increasingly difficult task for us. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but, uh, between us starting Order of the Phoenix and finishing that last book, 
Uh, Pottermore died. There's no more Pottermore. It's um, so sad because I was racking up those achievos. I know we could we we were able to unlock those achievements for doing the book club stuff, uh, but now <laughs> that's gone, and they they have not like they have not like rehosted it anywhere, um, like on WizardingWorld.com. Right. Uh, that's that, and and also the other thing that's frustrating is that you can't even way back machine your way to it because it gives you a three hundred one error and then just takes you to like the WizardingWorld.com equivalent of the Pottermore site you're trying to get to. And then it just like farts and it doesn't work. These um, bastards thought of everything. They thought of everything and this stuff is nearly lost to time except for the Twitter versions, uh, which luckily I guess was the bulk of the book club stuff. They would post the image on Twitter with the question um, about the theme, character or fact, etc. <laughs> um, for people to answer there. However, I have kind of grave news Uh-oh. about that. It appears that the questions for Half-Blood Prince are no longer separated into themes, characters, and facts. No! There's no themes. These are just questions. These are, like, just discussion questions. That, may, that, may, that makes sense, because um, there aren't any themes in this book. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I, I hate to say it, but this might be the first book that was written that just doesn't, just doesn't have any themes. <laughs> Some of these, I'm going to read all of them, but I don't think we should dwell on or answer all of them, because some of them are literally, like, might as well be, like, multiple choice questions. They, they, are, they are not discussion questions. Trivia questions? Those yes. are facts. Yeah, so I guess we still have facts. Um, some of them are a little more in-depth and are fun to read, but uh, we will kind of sort these, I guess, ourselves into themes, characters, or facts. I mean, once you don't have any characters or themes, all you're left with are, are facts. Are facts. So what I propose is that we we you know we go through these questions, we answer them as best we can, but primarily I think our job here is to organize them into themes, characters, and facts. That's right. Okay. Starting with the first question, what persuades Slughorn to return to Hogwarts? You know, I've been reading this book for six months. <laughs> <laughs> that was a long time ago. Oh, yeah, well, it's because it's because Dumbledore brought Harry and then he convinces him like, hey, not only is Harry there, but like Hogwarts is probably safer than this house that you broke into. So that's not a really a discussion question. I would say that's a fact. But also, not, also Slughorn sees Harry and thinks you're famous. I should get to know you. That's right. Uh, there are a couple of good uh, answers in here. Um, Kyle says. I think he's lonely. Uh, oh, I want to hear more about that. Yeah, I want to hear more about that. And Heidi says, I, I, I you know, I, I support them. I, I, I think that there's no wrong answers when it comes to, to, you know, readings of literature. But I will say this is maybe the closest one that I've seen. <laughs> uh, he wants to stand against Voldemort. Oh. And this is, no, I don't think he does. I think Slughorn's main characteristic if we can move from facts to uh, characters, is that he is a huge pussy and would not stand against Voldemort. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Not, not except under extreme duress. Yeah, he does not <laughs> want to do that. <laughs> Next question. Is Narcissa a good mother? I, this is, a, I feel like I'm um, a little bit doing, uh, like someone is posting like a Reddit question, like a question <laughs> about their relationship. 
but they're like leaving out important details. Like, what do what do I what do I know? No, no, she raised a Nazi, like a little Nazi kid. No, she's not a good mom. <laughs> there's no. a really there's a very funny argument happening in the in the comments here. Um, first reply: Narcissa's love surpasses the threat of being murdered by the most dangerous wizard of all time. However, I don't believe her to be a good mother. Love isn't something that can be shown when one is in a fatal position, but must be presented always in the best and worst times. Which is a very interesting thought. Then there is mm. someone who has replied: Do you think she loved Draco in his worst times? And I really want to know what that means because his worst times to Narcissa would surely be his best times and his best times would surely be his worst. Like, like what are, what are we considering his best and worst times here? I don't think we've ever seen them interact. No, we did once and it was in the robe shop when Narcissa <laughs> was like, no, gun at him? Yeah. <laughs> Narcissa was like, no, we don't want to shop in this shop for poors. And then they we, leave. So no, she sucks. <laughs> yeah, no, not a good mother. Do the Dursleys trust Dumbledore? Uh, what again? We've been reading this book for six months. What is this even referring to? Uh, remember my last Petunia, I guess, is the one interaction they have with him where she, where they like relent. I think yeah. that they are only pretty much only just coerced into doing what Dumbledore wants them to do and that's it. Yeah, I don't think that's trust so much as like fear, right? Like he sent her a scary howler and then he came to collect Harry and then gave Harry a slave in front of them. <laughs> Are the Weasley twins scared of Voldemort? Um probably not scared enough to not sell Death Eaters uh, a Peruvian disappearing powder or whatever. Yeah, I mean, no, I guess I guess not because they're doing satire. <laughs> That's doing what satire parody. means. That's right. Um, the book club has an answer for this. I guess the book club has its own opinion on this. Oh, great. Which is that their window displays suggest that they are not. Hmm. A dog yeah, I mean, definitely I, agrees. Yeah, the dog is barking up a storm out there. He's like, no, no. They're, the window displays don't matter. Um, I'm sure I'm sure they would um be scared of him to in in person, you know? Say it say it to my face, not online. Yeah. I also, you know, I, I know these are all questions about characters, but these are all facts. These are all just like asking so far just asking questions about what happened in the book right i need themes i'm so confused at this book i want i want to know what the themes are well maybe this one maybe this one will be a nice change who is the funniest harry potter character oh i love to laugh so let me think about what character makes me laugh the most that's right mm, this was such a um just like kind of feel bad book a little <laughs> bit yeah yeah. Um, Myrtle made me laugh. But, oh, there you go. Myrtle had some, Myrtle had jokes in this. Yeah. Uh, and then there was that part where she was. Uh, 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 th there's that. Th I think like the one line that has really stuck with me from this book is that thing about how she was crying, but like Harry was like noticing more and more delight in it, mm -hmm. which I found very funny and like spooky. Uh, yeah. There's th that. That was cool. 
I want to know what other people answered for this because I can't think of a single funny thing. Oh, you know what the answer to this is. I don't. What? Uh, Fred and George. Fred and George. Gred and Forge. Uh, Because if you know Pooh? Overall, Luna makes me laugh every time she speaks. Uh, There's a lot of people posting the there's no need to call me sir, professor. Was that this book? Uh, yes. I think it was. Yes. Yes, that was how he got detention for every... No, no, no. That was the the sword spell. Maybe. This book has been... We've been reading it for 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) I have not laughed once. Um, But yeah, 90% of the answers to this have been, uh, it's Fred and George. Mm. Uh, I'm going to say that one's at least, that's a character, because it's literally asking you name a character. So we've got three themes. Yeah, Fred and George are in there. They are in this book. Three facts and a character so far. Is being in the slug club a good thing? Um... I would describe the slug club as bad. Yes. Being in it as neutral. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would go and hang out with that vampire. I want to, I want to go see the vampire in the party. That seems cool. Yeah. I I would take, I would, I would uh, mooch off of Slughorn's snacks. I like Mm -hmm. crystallized pineapple. If he's, if he's Sharon, I'll take some. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I would say that like being in the club, I think being in it, in it is neutral. I would say get, you know, get that paper if you're in the club. Um, also, are we talking like pre this book slug club, which is apparently like like, you know, Nazi club. Right. Like 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 a beer hall for Nazis. Or is are we talking like post, <laughs> you know, this like like in the story slug club, which is like it's kind of a weird party where some vampires might show up. I mean that was just the Christmas party. There's also the club where you where we have all the students of with famous parents or Slughorn happen to see that their grades are good got invited. That's right. It's just like it's like leadership club. <laughs> yeah. It's just a bullshit club. Yeah. It's sure. fine. If if I had to do if I had to do that club instead of like, I don't know, like an extra homework period or something, sure, I'll do it. I'll go and I'll go and goof off for a period. Yeah, I'm. You know what? I'm going to be generous here. I'm going to say that's maybe a theme for for oh. the for the Wizarding World. But and like I, and normally I would not, but because this is a Wizarding World book club, and we we know that they have the very a very uh, 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 strange definition of what a theme is. Mm. I think this th- fits into what they would usually call themes. What's the theme? Um, clubs <laughs> being in the Nazi club is bad. Maybe <laughs> I think for, for wizarding world for Pottermore book club, that counts as a theme. Wonderful. Low bar, but there we go. Is using the half blood prince's book cheating. Now this, now this is a question. Now that's a question. Is it like you have a book with the answers in it? Or is it that the textbook sucks really bad? If the answers in the margins are better, because it's not that it's not that it was it, even that like Harry had the answer key. It was that he had better work to show. Right. I mean, it would be like getting a cookbook 
with like ingredients crossed, like say it's like a cup of flour and then that's crossed out and it says no, one cup and a quarter flour. Yeah, exactly. I don't think that's cheating. That's not cheating. I think that's, I, you know, maybe a gamble on whether or not you follow those instructions, but I don't think that's cheating. Um, I, uh, I would kind of surprised to say, seems like most of the people on Twitter who are replying to this think it's cheating. I mean, maybe it's a little stupid that Harry, like, didn't raise his hand and say, like, this book sucks. You know? Right. Like, maybe that's the moral thing to do, right? Is Snape published? Do you think Snape has written textbook? It seems like he should. Based on nothing, I think he is published. I think like I bet he I bet he's like written articles for like a potions magazine. Oh, that's good. He's like, yeah, he he writes into the potions. Ma- he's like he's like those people who write the really angry letters in uh, uh, like doing corrections on like really minor stuff in entertainment magazines. <laughs> it's like he's like, you know, when you get like Nintendo, like when you like read Nintendo Power or something and there would be like. An, an article that they posted or, you know, a letter that they posted in the like in the in the letters to the editor section where they like they printed it as like sort of a correction, but also kind of mockingly because obviously the person who wrote it cares <laughs> way too much. I feel like that's the kind of thing Snape would do. Yeah, like, I mean, opened... I guess like I totally see that. But I also want like, did he have to write like a paper for his like secondary education. Cause he's a potions master, which to me implies like graduate school. Right? right. Yeah. Where did he go for grad school? And like, did he take that potion knowledge with him? Did he have to write a paper on like, actually, this is how you make a polyjuice potion. Not the dumb way that you guys have been doing it. Right. Yeah. I could, I, I would actually be interested in that. That would actually be some lore that I would like to see. Maybe we I mean, it beg- makes no sense because I think he became a teacher at like age 20 because it, right. it brings up specifically that he was like the youngest teacher at Hogwarts. So yeah. I'm not sure how he fit where how he fit grad school in. And also, he, I, I guess I, he we, we explicitly know that he did not show uh, Dumbledore anything from the book because it's evil for some reason. So maybe he didn't flex any of that stuff. Hmm. Interesting. Is Voldemort proud of his gaunt family roots? I don't know what Voldemort's character is supposed to be, so I don't know how to answer that question. I have, yeah, I have no thoughts on that one. That is characters, though. Yes, that's I'm going to say that the Half-Blood Prince cheating one, I'm going to say, again, very flimsy, but I'm going to, by the standards of the Wizarding World Book Club, that is theme question. I don't even know if Voldemort's character is supposed to be capable of feeling pride. I don't know what right. his character is. Yeah. Does he have, after splitting his soul into eight pieces, does he have any feelings? I mean, I know he doesn't feel love. Yeah. Right? Hmm. We know he feels profound hatred, but I don't really know what what he feels beyond that. Yeah. What are the dangers of using the pensive? A boring book? Yeah, you, you're really <laughs> fucking boring. That's the biggest danger. Boring as shit? Your that's, book that's will suck danger. ass if you use the pensive too much. <laughs> <laughs> I am fascinated by this question because have we seen, like, a negative example? Like, like the, the pensive is so agnostic. <laughs> it is just a tool to show us flashbacks. It's not like... 
there's no character who's like obsessed with pensives. There's not someone who's like, oh, I'm wasting my life away watching all these cool memories in my pensive. Yeah, and if anything in Harry Potter, um, like takes that role, like right. it's the mirror of Erised, right? But I suppose. Yeah. You could do the same thing with the pensive that you could with the mirror of Erised, but that's not really the point or like narrative function of the pensive. The pensive just exists to show a scene in a movie. (laughs) The only the only thing I can think of isn't even from this book, but is like the consequences of Harry looking into Snape's pensive and seeing something that upset him. Yeah, that was book five. So that was before and and. That's not like a danger. That's not a danger of using the pensive. Unless, unless, are they talking about it opposite ways? Do they mean owning a pensive and like cataloging your memories is that bad? Maybe. Well, yeah, because if you take take all your your jerk off memories and put them in the pensive, because <laughs> you have to do a do a lesson and then someone finds it, that's embarrassing. J- J.K. Rowling is taking a strong stance against bookmarking porn. <laughs> You gotta start fresh every time. If you're downloading it, if you're bookmarking it, you'll you'll just go. You'll drive yourself mad. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the, the danger. Only, that's the only danger I can think of. That's the main danger of using the pencils. <laughs> <laughs> Coming out strong against spank banks. Uh, as Harry learns more about Tom Riddle's past, have you mm. noticed any familiar traits? No. What? What are the similarities between Harry and Tom Riddle? This is a two kind of a two-parter here. It's your choices that make you who you are, Harry. That's not, right. Not what what you are. They're both orphans. One's a psycho, I guess. I don't remember the pensive memories at all. All of that family tree bullshit, the locket, the locket getting <laughs> sold and then picked up by another character that we're never gonna hear the name of again, because it's just like a generic cop. And then I I have I have head empty. I have no idea what happened. No, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't see any similarities. Voldemort's Ted Bundy. Harry Potter is not Ted Bundy. It's a, you can either be Ted Bundy or you can be Jesus, and I don't really see that much crossover between the two. <laughs> I mean, like I guess there are maybe some literal similarities, some facts in common, right? Yeah, like, they Ooh. both speak parcel tongue. I was about to say this was a character's question, but I think you might be right. This might be a facts question. Like, let's see, both orphans. Yep. Voldemort went wasn't really an orphan. He went back and found his dad <laughs> and murdered, murdered him. So he's a self-made technically, orphan. Technically, oh, technically an orphan. <laughs> self-made orphan. Yo, it's a, it's like a it's like a, a double entendre. Harry is a self-made orphan. Mm. Voldemort is a self-made <laughs> orphan. I love that. Damn. Makes you think. <laughs> Why does Ron get nervous playing Quidditch? Um, because it's a lot of pressure. Lots of yeah. people get nervous. He gets nervous when he has to perform, and he kind of sucks at it when he gets nervous. The end. The the endless cycle. I thought that was pretty self evident. <laughs> yeah, I think again this one this one tricks me because it's like it like looks like a character's question, but this is just facts. That's right. just that's just story facts. Should Slughorn have offered Felix Felicis as a prize? Is Liquid Lux safe in the hands of teenagers? Yeah, because it doesn't do anything. That's my <laughs> That's official right. answer. That's right. It's fake. I, I'm still... 
I'm, I'm so, I was so upset. I don't think we get to talk about this in the actual chapter it popped up in. Mm. But when Her- when Hermione and Ginny and, and Ron just like casually mentioned like, oh yeah, uh, we drank the Felix Felicis and it saved yeah. us. I was like, both was like, oh, that's kind of funny that that popped up again. And then like, like also annoyed, like, no, I want to follow that thread. I want to know. I want to know more. I want to know more Felix Felicis funny details. I mean, we did get that. What I think is a tantalizing detail, which is like we surely would have died, uh, but one of the Death Eaters like aimed bad and hit his friend. Yeah, because we took the luck potion. That's right. I I unironically love the luck potion. It's good with the assumption that it is fake. Like I am. I'm so into that. Yeah. I, I, the, the actual Felix Felicis chapter with him going to Slughorn, mm-hmm. I think might be my favorite chapter in this whole book. Yeah. It is, it is so funny. Like, genuinely funny. Um, there's some good answers here. Uh, uh, Josh says, what's life without a little risk with the, like, horny winking emoji? What's the risk? I, <laughs> yeah, it's not, <laughs> well, yeah, it's, uh. It's not like an anti-luck potion. Yeah, it's like, first question, what are the dangers of the pensive? Second question, what are the dangers of Felix Felicis? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think there are any. Someone else says, uh, yes, there's nothing wrong with giving students rewards. I don't think that was the question. Yeah, not I. really. The, not quite the question. He's giving them weed as, as a reward. <laughs> nothing wrong with a student getting a reward. A little treat. They can have they can have a little weed as a treat. That's right. Who is the better keeper, Cormac or Ron? Um, Ron. I think that that was became cl- that was clear. Yeah, Ron. Story. I think Ron explicitly. This is a fact. Again, think it's a think it's a character question. It is a fact question. Book club has their own spin on this one. Oh, Hermione causes competition between these two keepers off the pitch. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. <laughs> she sure she sure does, I guess. Uh are Ron and Hermione a good match? Mmm. Yum no. yum yum. Here's a good question. No. Absolutely not. As <laughs> that's a have, fact. Yeah, that's a fact. As we have as we have uh uh pointed out numerous times in this book, every time Ron and Hermione get together, it just makes me sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just just makes me upset. Just, well, it's a good thing that they're uh, dating or just 16, so you know it's just a thing they'll they'll go through and we'll go their separate <sighs> ways. <laughs> hey, it's a good thing that there's not going to be any girlfriend bullshit on the Saving the World camping trip. Oh, yeah. Good thing that would be no, messed up. That would be messed up. Oh, wait. Oops. <laughs> Should Harry consider Ron? Wait, hold on. This... This is a very funny question, the way it's phrased. <laughs> Should Harry consider Ron as he develops feelings for Ginny? <laughs> like I know what they I know what they hilarious. mean is Harry should consider Ron's feelings as he as he pursues Ginny. But what it sounds like is, hey, thinking of dating Ginny, why not consider Ron? Why not Ron? <laughs> Ron. <laughs> why not give Ron I, a little kiss? Sure. Why not? Um, to answer the real question, um, yes, of course he should consider his best friend's feelings. <laughs> no, I hate doing that. <laughs> oh, Harry Harry would never consider his best friend. Oh, actually, I guess he kind of wouldn't a lot of the time. So 
That joke doesn't really work. Oh, I'm looking at some of the, sorry, I'm looking at some of the replies here. Are you kidding me? Ron would happily give Ginny away to Harry than to any other men. I did not know that Ginny was Ron's property. <laughs> Ron's property to give away. I think someone else interpreted it the way we did. Because they oh, said, yeah? no, he should consider Ginny. Just very emphatically. <laughs> Anisha says, bro code, dude. I, yeah, I'm not familiar. <laughs> Broke out. Is that a fact or is that characters? I feel like character. I feel like it's mostly fact, but character might fit here. I'll I'll give it a character. It's character. All right. All right. All right. What was the most important lesson Dumbledore taught Harry? I can't think of any. Uh, shut up and listen to me. That's a good uh, lesson that Dumbledore always tells Harry. I can't think of any lessons from this book. The only thing I can think of is the one I already said, which is like, it's the choices that matter, Harry. Right. The choices matter, Harry. But I think that I think that Dumbledore just told Harry facts in yeah. this book. Yeah, I think he just told him pensive stuff. Mm-hmm. What makes McGonagall a Gryffindor? What does this have to do with this book? Is McGonagall even in this book? I guess she was at the end. Like a little bit? Uh, she's brave and cool, I guess. Moving on. <laughs> Yep. Why does Snape want to teach Defense Against the Dark Arts? Because he thinks, he thinks it's, it's badass. Thank you. Yes, that's exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> he thinks it's fucking cool. Because he's a goth prince. He wants to tell kids about some sick of shit in class. <laughs> he wants to show the kids red asphalt. He wants to, sh- <laughs> he wants to show them the driver's head v- videos where everyone gets fucked up real bad. Snape should have taught... Um, the apparition lessons instead of introducing that oh, other random like ministry character. Yeah. I, I would yeah, have I would have loved to have like a like a driver's ed sequence with a known character. I'm gonna show you a bunch of pictures of people getting splinched. Yeah. Oh fuck yeah, that would have been great. Um moving on to the next one, I'm a big fan of this one because it has a typo in it and it's beautiful. Great. What do you think Dumbledore fear the most? <laughs> Mm. I don't have an answer. Do you have a good answer for that one? What do Dumbledore fear the what most? What do Dumbledore feel, fear the most? Um, Dumbledore fear the most. I, I, I don't think Dumbledore fear anything. He seems pretty fearless. Uh, he, he drank the juice and got sad remembering a bad thing that happened when he was a teenager. Right. But that's not like fear. That that's not like a constant fear that he has. No, he's like, oh, that was that sucked. If anything, I think Dumbledore could stand to fear some more things. You know, like he he's just sort of like, like is is he's a little blasé about everything. And yeah, uh, yeah, in the, in kind of the same way that I said that I don't don't even know if the character Voldemort is like capable of feeling something like pride. I feel the same way about Dumbledore. It's like, is the character Dumbledore like able to feel like fear? fear? Yeah, I don't. I just don't. I I don't know if that's ever really come up. I think the closest thing is him drinking the juice and going like, no. But that's like memory. That's bad memories. That's not like fear. Yeah, and he's like, no, this sucks i hate this i hate this juice <laughs> i, hate I don't want to drink this juice anymore ju- maybe he fears the juice <laughs> <laughs> ah, i hate it don't want to drink it anymore uh i'm gonna say that's character even though i don't have an answer for that question 
Are there other answers? I'm very curious, because I think that that one is just, like, completely pulled out of their ass. Yeah, um, I think he fears Harry will never forgive him. He doesn't want Harry to hate him for- I reject this answer off the bat. He's so adamant with when Harry's mad at him that he's just like, okay, we're moving on now. Like, (laughs) he- he, he does not give a shit what Harry thinks. Uh, Dumbledore fears those which he cannot protect. I assume this person means fears... Not being able to protect Not people. being able to protect people, but I think that that's actually kind of the opposite, especially because he's like the great man thing, where it's like, oh, he's going to have to make the hard choices that people will die, but he's... Yeah, he is... One, thinks death is no big deal... And two, knows it. it's more important to kill Voldemort, right? Yeah. yeah. There are a couple of here that are, like, almost interesting thoughts, I think. Uh-huh. But I think that they also rely too much on book seven. Uh, failing people again, like his sister, in his quest to clench his thirst for knowledge. <laughs> and putting <laughs> them in danger before uh, because of his arrogance. Uh... Which but I, he is always putting people in danger. That's his thing. He's yeah, the one that can do that. Because he is the smart guy who knows how to do it. Right. right. Um, and, and knows everyone's limits better than they do. Uh, someone else responds, Dumbledore fears his own perceived failures. His failure to protect his sister, siding with Grindelwald and Harry's pain, and probably with Voldemort too. He was a mentor to Voldemort, just like Harry, and he might see Voldemort's path as part, partly his own fault. Which I think I... Bye, but I think all of that is stuff that comes out in book seven. Like, if we're going to extrapolate any of that stuff. So. I yeah, I mean, I guess if in book seven, maybe there is a hint that he is, like, fearful of becoming that which he hates. Right. I think there's, like, a little bit of that stuff with, but it's all, it's all way beforehand because I think it's all Grindelwald related stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's, like, teenage Dumbledore stuff. Right. Um,. Is Harry right to choose Horcruxes over Hogwarts at the end of Half-Blood Prince? Yes, I don't know why anyone is going back to Hogwarts. <laughs> why is Hogwarts open? Everyone. I mean, ch- I, I know, like, I. this is obviously me looking forward and having some knowledge about some facts about Deathly Hallows, but they're going to instate the killer of Dumbledore as the principal of the school and then running it with Death Eaters. So I'm not sure why anyone went back to the school. <laughs> why not? Like, obviously, like, Crab and Goyle would go. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, like, the Slytherins, like, the the most died-in-the-wool Slytherins would go. Everyone else. I don't know. I don't know but why, why would the go. Weasleys send Ginny back to school? Oh, I'm so... oh the murderer of Dumbledore is the, is the principal now. Have a good have a good good year year. i'm so curious whether that's going because i remember so little about deathly Hallows. i wonder if that's going to be like her own choice like is she going to be like i went to dumbledore i went to 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 hogwarts again because i want to be epic there she's 16 yeah (laughs) i i snuck onto the train platform i i really don't know i'm I'm so curious to see how that or um, like neville why is neville going back to school (laughs) Got nothing better to do, I guess. You gotta yes, go to school. Fucking loser. <laughs> He's just no sitting around waiting for a text. He's sitting around waiting yeah. for someone to text him. <laughs> fucking moron. <laughs> what was your favorite Half Blood Prince moment? Hmm. 
you go first? Uh, I think it's either it's got to either be the Slughorn chapter or the part where Myrtle is uh, crying, but secretly into it when uh, when Malfoy gets uh, chopped up, or Dumbledore in the in the woodshed at the beginning of the book with spiders crawling all over his face. When I was like, "Damn, maybe he's supposed to be the villain in this." Yeah, I, this one is really hard for me because I think that. This book is the first time since, and this is going to sound crazy, but this has been the first time since probably some of the early books mm-hmm. um, where I was like, oh, I really like Harry Potter. Yeah. I haven't felt that way in a long time. And I think that that is purely on the back of us having a really fun time doing like rewrite. imagines for this book like things that feel really exciting like like you mentioned like the spiders crawling on Dumbledore I remember that as such a cool moment and I mean it kind of still is but I remember it so fondly now because I think we had a really good time thinking of how cool it could have been yeah yeah that is that that is something that I think is difficult to separate when we're reading these books Mm -hmm. from like like the what we feel about the books as is as readers revisiting them again with this critical eye versus me loving reading the book every week because it means we get to record a fun podcast. Right. Right. Uh-huh. Like, like this is a fun thing we get to do with each other every week. Uh, and, and like is, is a, 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 like such a big part of our lives now. Like, I think that that can sort of color some of those in a really mm-hmm. interesting way. Um, so I kind of have to like separate cause, cause you're right. Cause when I think about it, some of the other best moments I think is when we've like brain blasted each other with like our, our like rewrite ideas in the middle of bad chapters. <laughs> and I was like, I had to think for a minute. It's like, Oh, you're like, Oh, what's a, um, uh, uh, a really good moment. Oh, when Draco steals the, um, the, uh, the invisibility cloak and then uses it at the end. I was like, wait, no, that doesn't happen. Fuck. No, no. We, we have somehow, um, in doing our little, um, like improv rewrite, uh, fanfics on here have given ourselves fanfiction brain. That's true. Yeah. At some point we're just going to have to like sit down and write something together. Like, like we're gonna have to like get this energy out somehow, cause oh I know right? Cause we've like written a novel, we've written a new <laughs> Harry Potter no- novel between us at this point. We've got to like channel that energy into something more productive. Absolutely, we do. <laughs> Write our own thing. <laughs> oh. But yeah, no. If if I have to like choose like a, just like a specific, not us goofing off and doing rewrites moment, it's it's got to be one of those like. It, I, I think where this book really shines, and sometimes on accident, but I think the Myrtle thing is the time where, the, where where it's on purpose. Oh, yeah. Is just the mix of sinister and humorous, right? Yeah, and it hits that fun, sinister, but appropriate to the setting tone. Yeah. That so much of this book struggles with, with like the Criminal mind segment. Exactly. And and on and on, but that was the moment where it's like, yeah, if you think about it, that's pretty messed up. Like it, it really, there is that a lot of darkness underneath the surface of that scene, 
but it's just funny and it doesn't feel like out of place. It it it, it feels like appropriately like um the good early Tim Burton movies kind of dark, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and not like the bad later Tim Burton movies kind of dark. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> Um, yeah. I will say that there are a few moments in the book that I think that I like just kind of on their own that are very like, like I, can't, I can't untie this from just my sort of liking Harry Potter again in a weird abstract way, which is that there are some kind of side character moments that I thought were really good. Yeah. Um, Harry asking Luna to the slug club was yes. very sweet. Um, and I really I did like the scene of Ginny and Harry's first kiss with the qualifier that it went on a couple of paragraphs one, too long. Right. There's that extra paragraph that where they're like, and we're going to go and do it in the yard or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> you can just please cut that out. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, that moment's really good. The, um, I think the Felix Felicis chapter obviously is a really strong highlight. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are some really good, <laughs> It's weird, right? Because I I feel like this is almost a similar conclusion that we have with Order of the Phoenix, Mm -hmm. but it feels so different to me. Mm -hmm. Like, Order of the Phoenix, I also think my main takeaway was there are a lot of really good moments, like, good individual moments Mm -hmm. that never quite come together to form a satisfying whole. Right. And I think, like, that word-for-word description also describes this book. Yeah. But in some indescribable way, it is much different even though that even though that that, like that applies and i can't that's something i i think i'm gonna have to like sit with and maybe um come up with a more concrete difference or like answer or whatever um between now and like our movie episode and wrap up right Mm -hmm. because it because it because like when i think about it when i when i like when i look at my notes i like went back and looked at my like last episode of um order the phoenix notes Uh and i was like i'm saying the same things like like, yeah, a lot of good individual moments, doesn't come together as a whole, uh, confused themes, like, I like don't really know what I'm supposed to take away, um, but, and yet, these books feel so different. I think that in a lot of ways, Order of the Phoenix and Half-Blood Prince, or rather, Half-Blood Prince feels like a redo of Order of the Phoenix. Hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because it's very similar. It they both kind of exist to deliver lore. Yeah. Um, like Order of the Phoenix is obviously like the prophecy, right? Mm-hmm. And this one is the Horcruxes, but they both have they are they're both bad end, right? Yeah. And they happen one after another. And it feels in a lot of ways that Half-Blood Prince tries to address criticisms of Order of the Phoenix that really just makes it feel a little bit like a redo. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. It It is... I And, and not only a redo in terms of, like, tone. Uh-huh. Um, and like, and like, and not just tone, but like, you know, place in the story. When we, when, when everyone like jokes about like, oh, the dark middle chapter, right? Yeah. Um, but like the, the, the attempt to be that, but not only that, I feel like they are both interesting attempts at changing the genre mm. that mm-hmm. the series is in. 
like we talked about this like at length with book five it's like it wants to be a spy novel so bad right like like jk rowling wishes she was writing a, a like jean le car like like the spy novel with dumbledore yeah. that we don't get um whereas this feels like uh an attempt to like shift towards like i i guess <laughs> procedural i don't quite know what genre they they were going for here but 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 much different than the last one i mean it's know? really bizarre because half of it is a police procedural and half of it almost feels like in a like completely out of left field high fantasy yes yeah yeah like we we have we're invoking like the like uh, uh, Horcruxes is sort of like the soul stone trope, right? Like, yeah, there's a lot of fantasy seeping into the into the story where it kind of was just like fairy tale before. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it's 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 no longer it's like Order of the Phoenix was trying to reinvent it as very very specifically like this is a like espionage intrigue s- story now, right? And then, th- like, and that, and that's just like a crystal clear change. Didn't go over great, but like, I can point to it and say that is what it was trying to do. This one, I'm like, I don't know what what she wanted to write here, which is a weird thing to say because, of course, what the answer is this book, right? Like, like she she probably had so much leverage over her editors and whatnot at this point like it's i i doubt there was much like outside meddling in like what this book was right mm-hmm. um but it, it is such a odd mashup of things like i said there's like the police procedural criminal minds shit there's the high fantasy stuff with the horcruxes and the cave adventure um and and dumbledore becoming more of like a like a, a gandalf right mm-hmm. um it's sort of a mystery, except only one character is interested in the mystery. Uh, and it's also like a religious parable, but one that assumes that you uh, know all of the like the like religious things that it is referring to and does not do any work to like uh, illuminate that stuff. So it's yeah, it's 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 much more scattershot. But yeah, I, I. It also feels like because I'm really trying to to kind of tease out what the, uh, the like ultimate. I don't want to say point because I I think that there's a lot of like bad faith criticism that's like well this was pointless and that's not exactly what I mean but I'm trying to kind of distill the reveal or what information like what has changed for Harry mm-hmm. over the course of Half Blood Prince. And when I think about it, it's like almost like the the reveals to him about who the Half-Blood Prince is, that it is Snape. And we also get this information that Snape was the one who delivered the prophecy to Voldemort and got Harry's parents killed. That feels like something like information that was missing from book five. It was like it, Mm -hmm. it took the reveal at the end of book five, which is that the existence of this prophecy Mm -hmm. that should have come coupled with this information about Snape and, and that it was Snape's fault that Harry's parents were killed. It like ripped that piece of information out (laughs) and like plopped it in this book. Yeah. As the big reveal. 
that makes no sense because to do that, it had to be tied to this textbook that Snape owned that right. doesn't follow any kind of logic. Like, characters are acting really bizarre about the book itself. Uh-huh. Because it had to shoehorn that reveal into Half-Blood Prince. Huh. I know that we talked about how, like, having Snape epically say the name of the book at the end felt like it was in service of this great big, like, cinematic moment that was maybe, yeah. maybe like, cheapened the reveal. Like, it could have been revealed to Harry earlier and then had Snape betray him, like the twin betrayals or whatever. But I almost want to say that that stuff just needs to go into Order of the Phoenix. That needs yeah. to be the Order of the Phoenix reveal that, like, Dumbledore trusts Snape <clears throat> and Harry... Snape got your parents killed, but you're just going to have to be okay with that. Huh. And then all of a sudden, yeah. Harry has this book. The book is my dad. <laughs> the book is Snape. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And also, I think the other thing that that does is, uh, this is something that, that bothered me about Order of the Phoenix at the time, and we talked about a lot, is how the prophecy itself is such a boring MacGuffin on its own. Because it is, it is, in, it, it is introduced... And resolved in that book, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a problem in Half-Blood Prince as well. These things are never le left enough time to like, or, or given enough time to like, feel like part of the story. Because they are introduced and taken away within the books that they exist to be like the, the red herrings or the MacGuffins in. And I think that what you're suggesting there is really interesting because it, I feel like that creates a much better sense of overlap. Like if the prophecy was a going concern and led into the Snape stuff, which then led into the Half-Blood Prince book, which led into Harry feeling vindicated about not trusting Snape, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's a cascading effect there that suddenly to me in my mind makes that a much more satisfying chain of events because the prophecy is not like, the end of its own story and the book is not the end of its own story and harry's trust in snape is not the end of its own story right all of these mm -hmm. things are like their own little spheres that are you know no pun intended with the prophecy <laughs> um that that like are b the begin and end without interacting with much else in the story right so yeah that's a really interesting thought hey we've got a movie to watch no. <laughs> Are you ready? Are you ready for a big soft focus film? Ugh. I'm so excited. Why is Dobby so smooth in it? That's what I want to know. They oh, they, they, they smoothed yeah. him out. Yeah, the the later later Dobby movie CGI feels worse than the CGI from 2002, which is very weird. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm 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 thrilled to be like done with this book. But I also am like, I mean, basically, like what we have said at the end of every chapter, I have so much stuff swirling around in my head still. Mm -hmm. I might need to, 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 you know, do something dangerous and use a pensive to, to, to collect all my thoughts. But um, thank you to the Wizarding World Book Club for giving us all of those uh, quote unquote themes and characters and facts. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to the film, but I think we should probably take it to the close. What do you say? Yeah, probably. Our theme song is Hot McGonagall by Cheshire Moon. Huge thanks to them, as always, for letting us use it as our theme song. You can check them out at Bandcamp, and you can check us out at patreon.com slash streetcast. We have all kinds of bonus content there for you. We've got, I've been thinking about Taylor Lautner's abduction recently. 
What a film. We watched that. We talked about it. We read some John Green novels. Not good. Uh, we're playing The Witcher. Very good. Um, so so a whole, a whole smorgasbord of stuff to read there, to listen to there, that we read. <laughs> <laughs> and Liz, I know what we're reading next week. We're reading the credits of the film Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Are you, are you ready? Are you feeling psyched? Are you feeling excited for, for, for a movie film? We're here again. It's time to watch a film. I feel exhausted. I've been reading the Half-Blood Prince for six months. And now you've got to watch the film for six now months. Now it's time to watch the film. And we're watching one scene at a time. Uh, we're really <laughs> taking it slow this time so we can we can do a close reading of this film. Yeah, so everyone watch the first scene of Half-Blood Prince for next week. We'll talk about <laughs> it for two hours. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. Yes, we will be watching the film next. And I think we should leave it, you know, as we uh, 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 sit and think about, uh, you know, all the various things swirling around in our head. Uh, with with you know in regards to the ending of Half Blood Prince, we should look to some words of wisdom from Emerson Sparts to maybe uh, uh, clear our minds a bit. What do you say? Sounds good to me. Read fiction until your curiosity can only be satisfied with nonfiction. Read nonfiction until your curiosity can only be satisfied with math. Dreams, and then there's a little arrow symbol. Fiction, little arrow symbol. Nonfiction little arrow symbol dot 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 arrow symbol math i think that is just too big brain for me right now yeah i'm not doing i'm sorry emerson i'm not doing any fucking math anytime soon i am dumb as shit i don't remember anything other than like two plus two that's four i think Mm -hmm. i i like math quite a bit i do it often i do not i i cannot big brain that tweet (laughs) I'm sure he's right, though. <laughs> he's probably right, and uh, he should still read another book. Please read another book. There's a lady in there, makes ocean roll seem tame. But I know what you're after if you catch a eye. Because this hot mama is just a cat in disguise.